Alex Dunkleppen. Hey there, it's Amy Guth. What's happening, everybody? Here with you till one o'clock with esteemed producer Ro Coleman. How are you, Ro? I'm fantabulous. How are you, Amy? I'm good. It was really fun on Sunday. It was, even we were... though we got rained out. <laughs> so, WGN Radio every year has a float in the Pride Parade, and it's really a fun time. In a time, uh, here's why I love the Pride Parade. In a time in which it is so easy to go, oh my lord, people are terrible, and people are doing terrible things to each other, and this world is falling apart, it's very easy to get overwhelmed with that. And that day is all about love and unity and people who are part of the LGBTQ plus community or people who are allies of that community just showing up saying, you know what, I support healthy, strong communities where everyone is safe and welcome and free to live and love how they choose. I think that's awesome. And it's a beautiful day. And also, there are some fabulous outfits. <laughs> oh, my God. They were so extravagant this year. <laughs> Although, you know what? I thought it was kind of tame, though, this year. I, to tell you the truth, I feel like last year, I remember seeing this incredible group that was like Vegas showgirl kind of outfits. So it was like a, you know, like a bathing, like a one, one piece bathing suit. Well, I guess some were like bikinis, right? Like a bathing suit. And then the back, it was like feathers, like a peacock oh. tail and then big feathers coming Turn out of the top. Style. Oh my God. It was so beautiful. Oh, Gorgeous. Wow. And there was like floats with bubble machines and fog and all kind of cool stuff happening. But this year it was really fun and festive and the WGN team is all there. And it's really fun because here's the thing about working here. We never see each other. <laughs> you yeah. Know? You know, yeah. it's not like most jobs. Everyone's there from nine to five. But here there's only a couple of us here at a time, especially if you're on at night. You could go years without knowing what someone looks like. You just know what they sound like. So it's fun when we're all together. It's interesting. I was just having that conversation with uh, producer Jess, Jessica. She uh, usually with uh, Mabubala. Yep. And she, she was saying the same thing. She's like, I don't see these people for years. Oh, yeah. Like, or maybe once every couple every couple of years if they show up to these type of events. Absolutely. So it's, it, it was nice to see everybody and to be together in, in yeah. one space. And people brought friends and partners with yeah. them. And so it's fun to meet people's family and all that. I think that's really fun. And DJ Cash era. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. She's amazing. Always. Always, absolutely Always. amazing. I love her. She's so fun. And she's um, she, back when Doma T. Pongo was still on the station. Now he's so famous. I know, right? He's <laughs> he, too big for us now. He No, he will still answer my text messages and respond to my tweets. So I feel like he's not too famous yet. But he's no, he's still he's still he's still he's connected. still Doma T. Yeah, yeah he's, he's still, still Doma T. But he and I did like I think like a week or so of fill ins and uh, the esteemed DJ Kashera filled in. She was producing for us. And so the music was so good. We ended up basically like talking about music all week. It was so nice. fun. Yeah, it was really, really fun. But yeah, she did a great job. But then suddenly I turned around and I was like, I'm going to take a picture of the float because I was like walking alongside and handing out Mardi Gras beads. And I turned around and it was just this wall of dark clouds. And I thought, oh man, we are so in for it. We're oh, totally in for it. Um, and indeed we were. <laughs> I was soaked. How long did it take you to get home afterwards? Oh, goodness. Two hours? Me too. I, I walked. Too. You walked? I walked home because every bus, I was standing at the bus stop waiting, three buses in a row went by and the bus only stopped 
for the bus driver to be like, we're full. And kept no going. I'm way. Like, oh so I, I had, there was a styrofoam cooler and I took the lid and I walked with that thing on my head for two hours and I walked home. Homemade umbrella. No, we didn't. It was pretty chaotic on our end. We went to the Belmont uh, stop, the red line mm-hmm. stop. And oh my goodness, everybody's pushing and shoving. It looks like a concert or something going on there. Yeah, no. Um, fights breaking out. Oh, come on. Just, fights. Yeah, it was insane. But we did get on pretty quickly. Okay, that's good. I will say that. We did get on pretty quickly. We did stop picking people up after like a stop or two. Yeah. So it. I think the longest part was honestly just getting people to stop trying to push on a train. And you're, that was what, red line? Yeah. See, I'm on the tricky blue line. Mm. Very hard to get to the blue line. You got to get. You got to walk west. You got to get on a bus. You got, or you got to go all the way downtown to get the the blue line. That's yep. my gripe with the blue line. So, um, yeah. So I was like, well. So finally, I found a bus. You know, three stops from my house. <laughs> I was like, I just want to go home and dry off it's my shoes. Now. My shoes are still airing out. They're they're soaked. They was like squishing my shoes the whole way <laughs> was it you that gave me the trick about uh rice yeah that's what my my friend swears by that you can put if you drop your phone into water they say turn it off like completely shut the power the power down and stick it in a bag full of uncooked rice and then and it'll save it and that i've done and I've done that and but my friend says oh and it works for for sneakers if you get your you know if you get your tennis shoes wet stick them in a bag of rice because just use like a you know a big gallon size bag and put one shoe in each one or whatever or if you have tiny feet put it both in there um and leave it there for a day or so and it'll help dry all that up faster so your shoes won't you know be gross hmm. Hmm. i know i don't have any rice i gotta go to the store i don't have any either <laughs> I gotta none do. that i can just use for that at least i know right like if the right the, if i had rice i would not be in the position to be like throwing it away yeah that's the thing i don't like the food waste yeah all right well we're going to take a little break coming up on the show today we're going to talk about a very awesome i can verify this because i have tried this myself a natural solution for bugs that does not involve chemicals none of that off none of that deet we got to think about chemicals in our world my friends we got to so we have someone joining us who has made that solution and she's going to tell us all about it we also have someone joining us who has a custom made to measure clothing marketplace. And as I was just telling Justin Kaufman, as a 510 woman, I'm very interested in the possibility of custom clothing. I bet I cannot afford it, but I'm curious about it. And we're going to hear from a theater critic because Cats is coming back. Never thought I was going to be saying that Cats was going to be on again because I lived through the 80s and I thought that was done. But nonetheless, Cats is coming back to Broadway in Chicago. And we're going to hear from an author about burnout. These are all things that are going to help us out and help us be better tonight. That's the thing. All right. Taking a break. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. That one White is out of here. Sorry. Hey, it's Tim Anderson. Ah! Three run home run. Hey, so Frank. Ron Mokar here. Makata at the wall. Into the bullpen. Wellington Castillo here. Going back. At the track. At the wall. Slam. Summer sounds better with baseball on the radio. White Sox baseball plays here. Tomorrow night, the Sox kick off July against the Tigers. Our pregame at 635. The first pitch from Guaranteed Rate Field at 710. On the flagship home, 720 WGN. Struggling with shortness of breath, dizziness, or fatigue? It might be a malfunctioning heart valve. The Amita Health Heart and Vascular Institute offers TAVR, T-A-V-R, which stands for Transcatheter Aortic Valve Replacement. 
TAVR is a minimally invasive, life-saving alternative for people who are moderate or high-risk candidates for open-heart surgery. Call 877-596-7403 or visit amitahealth.org backslash TAVR. DriveChicago.com, your only source for pre-owned vehicles in Chicagoland. Buy from a dealer you can trust. Thousands of high-quality late-model vehicles, many coming off lease right now. Log on. DriveChicago.com. There's nothing like meeting face-to-face. And there's nothing like Zoom to make that happen. Zoom lets you connect and do business across town or around the world. Zoom ties together all of your communication needs into one easy platform for video conferencing, phone calls, group chat, webinars, and your conference rooms. Connect easily from anywhere, your mobile phone, your laptop, or conference room. Zoom is how business gets done. Get your free account at zoom.com today. Meet happy with Zoom. Attention investors, stocks got you sideways? Worried about interest rates or recession? Not earning a consistent 18 to 21% on your money? Then diversify into Class A income properties for cash flow and equity profits. National Realty's Class A property fund includes only prime income producing new construction properties built far below market value. You're secured, you're diversified with income from multiple properties paying you. You're prioritized in cash flow ahead of us and substantial bank appraised equity on prime property backs you. has a 12-year track record of proven success with over $800 million of property under management and hundreds of repeat accredited investors. Prime Brooklyn, Hoboken, West New York, and Delray Beach income properties support you. Stop losses, diversify from stocks, and get secured returns consistently. Call now for free information. Call 201-210-2727. That's 201-210-2727. An offer to buy or sell any security is only made by our private placement memorandum. Read it first and invest wisely. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. National is a real estate development firm. See us at Watch Navy Pier's Independence Day display from home as fireworks light up Chicago's lakefront. Chicago's Summer Blast, a WGN TV special, July 4th at 930. 720 WGN. Hello, it's Amy Guth. That is a great song, Ro. What is that? You always play the best music. Thank you. This one is is just a low fi low fi lo fi I love it. Beat. I love it. So it's yeah, good. It's, thanks. It's a good mellow, but you know, still a good beat thing. Yeah, it's I love one it. of those beats that, that help you study, you know, when mm-hmm. you're ready to just focus. I have how you go. many of those playlists that are like, just sit down and do some work. Yep. Sit down. Got to get yourself in the mood, man. I know. I know. It's so true. A little bit later, we're going to be talking with an author about burnout. She has a cool book that basically has 31 five-minute solutions to make you focus and chill and bring it down a notch, which I think is great. Because then, then you can't be like, I'm too busy to go to yoga or to breathe. Or, no, you got five minutes. Yep. You can do you one of these things. All the things that we do in this world, we could do take five minutes to yourself. Everybody. I don't care how many kids you have, how many jobs you have. Everybody can come up with five minutes. So I like it. And we all got to do that because the World Health Organization has just uh, really kind of doubled down and said, hey, you know what? Burnout is an epidemic and depression is an epidemic and we got to do something about it. They're like officially recognizing those as this is not going well. We're, we're in an epidemic kind of moment with those things. So so there's that. So, Ro, I've got to talk to you. Yes, ma'am. We were just talking about the Pride Parade and what a lovely day it was. Yes. And getting home and how challenging that was. Yes. However, comma, it appears that you had a little more trouble getting home. What happened? Oh, my God. Some young 
kids robbed me of my phone on the train. How old were they? What do you mean kids? They couldn't have been any older than about 19, man. Yeah, like, like teenagers. Yeah, teenagers with nothing else to do, hanging around the uh, platforms here on State and Lake. They hopped on with me when I got off of work. It's just coming out of okay. here. Did you have a vibe like this was coming at all? Oh, yeah. You did? You can kind of see. Yeah, were, you can. You always yeah, can. They were, like, they were mm-hmm. kind of watching and mm-hmm. scoping out the spot. And uh, they stayed on the train for about 30, 35 minutes from, from State and Lake all the way into Laramie. And then... And anyone else on the train with you? No, there are plenty of other people on the train. Oh, plenty of other people say. on the train mm-hmm. and um once they got to laramie i pulled my phone out to check on the central bus because i was headed a different direction yeah and as soon as i pulled my phone out the laramie uh the doors opened at laramie and they snatched my phone <gasps> and ran off so oh my god yeah and then here's what make it worse so i i get up and i run right and you realize in those moments that you have other things that you can lose in this so you kind of just got to let them go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's super late. So, yeah. It's unfortunate. But apparently this has been a thing. I've heard that too. Yeah. That there's been a lot of like purse snatchings and phone stuff. I'm sorry careful. that happened, Ro. That's really, that's just scary. I mean, that's your, that's it's your lifeline right now. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, it sucks because now that's $200. Yeah, of course. Replace it. But uh, more than anything, it's, it's more just disappointing to see that's what people are resorting to. I've seen it happen before. I was on the, I want to say it was the red line. I was waiting on the train on the red line and some kids were kind of walking around the platform, you know, just scoping the place out and they started knocking people's phone onto the ground Mm. first Mm. and then they'd pick it up and run i remember this happened a couple of years ago people would um usually a kid would walk up to people and go hey do you know how to get to and hope that people would pull out their phone and go oh yeah let me get the address for you or they go what time is it and you look Mm -hmm. at your phone and they grab it and just take off but then some people i know got like hit Really? Yeah. I mean, one right over here in Michigan, he had his phone out. He was actually on the phone. And these guys walked up and just kind of smacked him in the head and took it. And I think took his briefcase or his folder, something else he had in his hand, too. I mean, stealing makes me so mad. (laughs) It's like, I get it. I get it. Yes and no. No. But like, don't people work hard for their stuff. Yeah. That makes me so mad. And it it causes stuff costs a lot of money. And here's what makes it worse, especially when it comes to um electronics today. Mm-hmm. Very few people are not tracking their electronics. That's a thing. If you do that like find my phone thing, it's it's right there. I that's how I found mine. So you I, found it. I did find the location. Um the what the police require to go get the phone is a little preposterous in my opinion. What is it? Um so they basically were like, okay, we acknowledge that you have a location here um, where the phone was set off after putting it into lost mode, la la la. Um, however, in order to get the phone back, you would have to go over about a block next to where the location is, call 911. Come on. Have the police escort you to the place where the phone has been tracked to to get that phone. That's ridiculous. Yes, yeah, and putting you in, and potentially putting you in unnecessary danger. And what are you going to say? What Why you can't you say? just go look? I, hello, police officers. Look, it appears that my phone is in this location. 
that's pretty simple to me. So how about you send, I bet you there's a squad car in the area. Why don't you just swing by there and say, hey, we got a phone here. Oh, no, but the area, they don't care as much. I um, When it happened, so my friend doesn't live too far from where um, the phone was tracked, right? Okay. And the night that it happened, uh, I got to my friend's house and we called the police and the police were supposed to come by and, and let me file a police report. They never showed. Never right. showed. Right, because they're like, eh, it's a phone. Yeah, like whatever. We got other things to do. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that happened, Ro. Uh, I mean, I'm glad you're okay, right? It can always be worse. It could. And I know? am very grateful for that. Um, I'm glad they didn't have a weapon. I'm glad they did not touch you or harm you or do anything like that. Agreed. Because I'm one of those idiots that will like, I'm going to get shot in the face one day because I will fight somebody for trying to take my purse. Oh, no. Sometimes, I've done it. You just got to let it go. Bro, I've done it. No. Amy, Twice. Go. Twice. One time he did not get my purse, though, because I was like, you know what? Not today. Where were you? Right out here. Like right there on Michigan Avenue on the other side of the bridge. It was when we were still in Tribune Tower. I worked late and I was I walked out and I was, you know, heading home. And this uh, this guy passed me the other direction and I caught a bad vibe from him. And just the way he was looking at me, I was like, mm, I don't like this. And it was really cold that night. And I had my, you know, my coat hood up and mm-hmm. I put it down just so I could have my peripheral vision, even though my ears were frozen. And I looked over my shoulder and he was gone. And then the next light, when I was waiting for the light to change, he was suddenly right up on me trying to grab my purse. Oh, my goodness. And I should have just been like, here, don't, you yeah, know, don't like kill me or anything. And I was know. like, hell no. <laughs> I was like. I was mad. I knocked him down. I just was like, I don't think he expected me to do anything. So I just knocked him down. Was there anybody else around? No, because it was late at night. But, but then the cops came up and they grabbed me because I was (laughs) shouting at him. Really? (laughs) And pulling. I like I had, he was on the ground and I was pulling at his arm, just yelling at him. <laughs> like not having it and the cops thought it was like a domestic in progress and oh that my was goodness. the problem not but immediately he was like no 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 no! i tried to take her purse i apologize like he confessed to the cops <laughs> right away but you know it was like i think i had like let somebody go that day because i was still working like i was in a leadership yeah. role you know and i had let someone go and i feel like my boss had said something to mean to me that day i think i had like you just were having a hard day. So I think you, I got my period that day. Like yeah. everything had happened. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? You are not taking this purse. That is not what I am not going to the Thompson Center to get a new ID. <laughs> that is not what we're doing right now. <laughs> it's like no reset for me. Yeah. Not this week. N- not, not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> I was like, nope. So, yeah, that's that's the thing that happened. The other time the guy did totally get my purse. He just grabbed it off my shoulder to <sighs> two o'clock in the afternoon on Michigan Avenue. He was like average height, weight, build white guy with brown hair in a golf shirt and khaki pants. I was like, that's literally half the men yeah, I see right every now. Day. Like I can't I, I mean, immediately I lost him in a crowd and couldn't. Eventually, though, probably eight months later, I got that purse in the mail. Really? It was empty. The post office will do that if you have something in there with your address on it they'll try to find you wow look good on them good on you post office so i had like a business card in there so they the purse was totally empty my favorite wallet was gone of course the money was gone but people are terrible i know people are awful i know i know they really that's the thing 
I am constantly, I, and there's no gray area for me. I'm either like, people are so beautiful and have such loving, wonderful hearts. And then like an oh, hour later, I'm like, egg. people are the worst. I hate all people. <laughs> people are terrible. And then an hour later, like, I love people. Oh, look, it's a puppy on the internet. Oh, people are so sweet. I'm like, I, I don't know. I have no North Star it about depends that. depends on the people, depending on the time, depending on every other circumstance Everything. in the world. The phase of the moon everything and we got to put you to some training so you know not to fight the robbers that's the problem is i went to the training and now i do know how to fight them oh jesus <laughs> and you so some self-defense training and now it's i did i i i've done krav maga for Ooh. years and years yeah so i, I was know, like you're pretty, you're pretty bad eh? that's i mean can you not say legit. badass on the air you can say badass in the air okay i think you can if not i just did no you can't i've definitely <laughs> said badass on the air before Anyway, we'll talk about my fighting people in the the street because there's one other time I got to tell you about. Anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We are going to take a break and we're going to go to news. On the other side of news, we're going to talk about a natural and effective way to keep all the bugs off of you, your pets and your people all summer long. Back in just a bit on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth with you till one o'clock. We got lots to do tonight. We're busy tonight, Ro. We got things to do, people to talk to, lots happening. Are you rocking and rolling? Well, you know, someone's got to. Good grief. Anyway, so my friends, if you are a regular listener, you know that I think and talk a lot about the environment and the toxic stuff that we should not be putting into our environment and how much we need to take care of our beautiful earth. And part of that happens in the summertime because we go outside, we're with our pets and our people, and we start putting, what, DEET all over ourselves. We spray off, we burn those citronella candles. And I don't know, if you're like me, you get all like itchy and coughing and because it's chemically, right? Well, have I got a solution for you? We are joined now by Claire Duggan. She is from the Duggan Sisters, the makers of a product called Life Stings that is a natural product. It is not DEET, but I'm here to tell you because I have personally used this stuff. It is marvelous and it will keep the bugs off you without all the chemical stuff. Claire, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Hi, Amy. Hello. So tell everyone, I mean, I could sit here and talk about it all day, but you make the stuff. So you tell us about this wonderful product and how you came to develop it and how it's doing all the things that it does, because it's it's testing. It's tested to be better than DEET, more effective than DEET, I should say. You got it. I mean, you know, we're three sisters who have, you know, been in business for 11 years here on the south side of Chicago, and we're all about creating natural products that aren't just good natural products, but actually outperform the chemicals. We believe you can have safe and healthy solutions and actually be a rock star and have things that work better than anything else. So we got started, we, you know, we're originally deodorant makers, as we've discussed before, but the next chemical that we knew people needed to get out of their lives was, as you mentioned, deadly deep. You know, come on, we're here in the Midwest. We live all year to be able to be outside. And what's the one thing that ruins summer <laughs> is the bugs, or if you wear the DEET, the DEET, right? Um, so we got started with Life Sting so we could have a safe, effective way to be outside, as you said, on our beautiful planet and enjoy the beautiful outdoors. Um, so we got started on it to just 
we, we are all sisters who have had serious autoimmune diseases, which means we're not willing to put chemicals on our body. But we have to be careful about what happens when we're out around bugs, right? Because bugs don't just bother us any these days. They carry deadly diseases. So we have to be smart about prevention. So we knew we needed a protection, and we knew we couldn't do it with chemicals. So we spent about five years developing life stings, working on all different kinds of botanical formulations, until we came up with our great big how that you asked. How do we manage to be 10 times stronger than DEET? And our, you know, our trade secret and our special recipe is that we use catnip oil as part of our magical blend. Catnip oil has been scientifically proven to be 10 times stronger than DEET. So that's, you know, and we combine that with a host of other botanicals because we're not just up against mosquitoes. We've got mosquitoes and ticks and black flies and chiggers and noceums and deer flies, all those things that can get in the way, whether you're fishing or hunting or running or hiking or camping. And we make sure that one safe and, you know, as you mentioned, delightful to wear blend, um, you can be safe and be outside during the summer. Easy enough. And everyone's saying this year, because the rain has been so dreadful, that uh, there's a good chance the mosquito situation is going to be, now that we're finally warm and actually in summer, that the mosquitoes are, are really going to be out of control this summer. So I imagine this is something we need to all be thinking about, because if mosquitoes are out of control, lots of other insects will be around as well. Exactly. And we really, you know, we, we, we're here in Chicago, but we sell this stuff all over the world and all across the U.S. And that's what we're hearing from our customers, that the mosquitoes are really starting to kick in, the heat kicks in, and that just puts them off the charts. They've been having their fun getting all their eggs laid, um, you know, but they're out there. And the folks who are in those tick-carrying areas where you have concerns about Lyme disease, they have to be careful all year long. Um, folks who are getting out into nature or who work in nature, we have a lot of wonderful farmers who are trying to be, you know, safe when they're out working with Mother Nature, um, that, that the season is predicted to be off the charts. You know, but as we said, we have had a rainy kind of nasty spring here in the Midwest. So it's, you know, I'm all the more anxious, as I think many of your listeners are, to get out there. I've been out in the garden um, and, you know, I'm, you know, I've been thrilled to just be able to come in and be bug free, even though I can see the mosquitoes all around me. Um, but I'm glad to be able to be out in the garden and getting dirty and being in wet, swampy areas and coming in and not having a bu any bug bites. You know, it's, it's also a time of year where we tend to, you know, as the mosquitoes, we send kids off to camp, right? Whether that's your your kid, your own kid, or a niece or nephew or a grandchild, um, you know that's really we see a lot of parents buying kits to send their kids off to to camp because you know you want to send them off and let them have a grand adventure, but not come home eaten alive, you know. And that's really as you know families hit the road this time of year is when we tend to get so many wonderful video testimonials and love letters from all across the country uh, because people tend to show us stories that go something like this. You know, I went to Yosemite with my best friend and our families, and by the end of the first day, they were all wearing DEET and getting eaten alive, and my kids were doing just fine with life stings. And by the end of vacation, everybody's wearing life stings. And we hear similar stories to that, whether it's, you know, buddies going down fishing on the Gulf Coast or seniors kayaking on the bayou or folks going on medical missions to Africa where you're in disease-carrying areas where you have to be concerned you know, um, about malaria or dengue fever, you know, where they, bug protection is a really serious matter. And we just love the feedback from the field that says, you know, this has enabled us to be out in nature and, and have a pleasant experience, you know. And it doesn't have to be 
such a heavy duty situation, like a medical mission, we have brides to wear it. We, summer weddings, people put it on all the different tables so that their guests can be delightful. Um, I just love it. You know, I hate to be at a barbecue where I can't taste the potato salad because all I'm tasting is everybody's deadly teeth, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really nice that Life Things is delightful and that everybody around you isn't eating your bug repellent, right? That everybody can enjoy that it's minty fresh and, you know, it's um, it's protecting you without ruining the party. Yeah. And, and let me say, I, I'm serious, listeners, when I say I've tried this myself. I have family in Louisiana. I took some of this with me. And I used it in a very swampy area while my family was getting eaten alive and spraying off all over themselves. And they're like, oh, it's the same. It's the natural off. But it was still like choking everybody. And the dogs were running away and all this. And I put this on and I did not, I'm not kidding you, did not get a single bite. And that was really significant to me as I'm watching my family just cover themselves in chemicals and still get bitten. I'm like, well, wait a minute. This is, and I smell better than everybody else too. I smell minty and all that. There's other. There's also this issue, and that is um, when camping. The stuff that we take with us, because uh, even if we are, even if someone is like, you know what, I feel comfortable. I'm not worried about chemicals. I'd rather have chemicals and get it done. Whatever. If that's your mm-hmm. thing, go for it. It's what concerns me is what we're spraying into the environment, and then campers who jump in water, and who and and all this stuff that gets into our environment, and then in our soil, and then runs into water sources. These are just it's beyond just what we're spraying on ourselves. This is we're talking about a larger toxic issue here. You have absolutely nailed it, Amy. That's why we're really proud that um, the National Park Service, both in the U.S. and Canada, which you know covers all, and in Mexico, which covers North America. Um, loves the Dog and Sisters products. Um, and they've, you know, videotaped us at conferences and shared that with their campers because there is a concept in camping called leave nothing behind, right? And so the same way that you're going to carry a pack and make sure you're, if you bring it with you, whether it's paper goods or something you pick up or got any disposable, if it goes in with you, it should come out with you. But you're absolutely right that the bot products we put on our body are something that we need to consider as that, right? So when you dive in that river and when you, you know, if you're wearing a toxic deodorant or a toxic bug repellent, you're infusing our beautiful lakes and rivers with that. So you are absolutely impacting nature, whether it's safe for the fish and the other wildlife who are drinking from that source. Um, the National Park Service recommends being natural, although they, of course, want you to be safe. And, you know, by going with life stings, you're able to get the best of both. We're talking with Claire Duggan, who is the maker of Life Stings. It is a wonderful bug spray. I've tried it myself. I recommend that you all try it. Find the Duggan Sisters online. If you are connected to me on social media, I will be sure and tweet out links after the program. Claire, I'm going to put you on hold for a minute because we got to go to break. But then we come back. I want to talk about a couple of the other things that you make, too, because there's lots, lots of stuff there. So back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth with you till one o'clock. Thanks for sharing part of your evening with me. Appreciate you for that. We've been talking with Claire Duggan, who's one of the three sisters behind the Duggan Sisters, makers of a product we've been talking about called Life Stings, which is a marvelous natural bug repellent. I have tried it myself. I love it. It smells minty and wonderful. It does not smell like that disgusting, gross off or citronella candles that 
bless them, do not work for me because they make me choke. I don't like them. So we've been talking with Claire about the bug spray and the importance of using natural things in our, not just on our bodies, but for our environment. So uh, we, we've talked about the bug spray, Claire, but I want to switch to kind of the, the backbone of your business, and that is the natural deodorant that you make. Tell us about that, if you would. Well, they, you know, life stinks, uh, but you won't is uh, is our flagship product. It really is what got the Doug and Sisters started. Um, we knew that people really needed a natural and effective solution to really basic problems. You know, we've been talking about sting, but, you know, everybody trying to fight body odor. So for us, it's our world is stink and sting, right? You know, uh, we just really weren't satisfied with the natural products that were on the market um, having, as I mentioned before, had serious health issues, and we really had fought to come back from that. And part of that was learning about wearing natural products and how that could help our bodies to stay healthy. Uh, we weren't willing to wear the chemicals anymore, and we just couldn't find a natural deodorant that worked. Uh, at the time, we ran a healing center to help people in our community uh, with similar issues that they were facing, and they kept giving us the same feedback. Listen, girls, I'd love to go natural, but nothing works. And it was really, truly a situation of saying we knew they needed help. We knew we were hand-making stuff for ourselves, so we offered. We said, if I make you one that works, will you try it? And Life Stinks was born. It started, we started making it six bottles at a time and then two dozen at a time here uh, at the cottage on the south side of Chicago. Um, and from there, we've grown to selling it all over the world. Um, it's a dry powder deodorant. It, so it allows you to start dry and stay dry. By being a dry powder deodorant, it not only takes care of the fact that you're full of water and your body needs to be healthy and flowing, but Mother Earth, as you discussed, is also 75% water. So our wonderful dry powder deodorant allows you to have a refill program. So we're so grateful that with the support of all of our wonderful customers who've embraced Life Stinks as a, you know, a dry, safe, effective deodorant that keeps them odor-free and dry all day long, highly effective all day, we've managed to keep over 600,000 single-use plastics out of landfills because Life Stinks users have this great dry powder deodorant that works for them all day, and nine months later, um, when their can is empty, they refill and keep going. So they get one can for life. It's good for the planet. It's good for them. And everybody's happy. Easy enough. And and as you said, it keeps all the plastic out of landfills. The more I think, the more I learn about that, the, the more I think it's just the plastic will be the death of us. In fact, just this week, there was a, uh, I think it was a whale or a walrus that had gotten, it was beached on the shore and had died. And Aww. the poor creature was in the it's not an autopsy if it's a creature but but you know the mm -hmm. autopsy was this creature had been filled with plastic and trash and it was so terrible and it was like look we've done that so anytime we're keeping plastic out of landfills i'm definitely in favor of that so let me ask you this claire when people um I think deep down everybody knows that natural is the best. Nature is better than, you know, than not natural, right? Um, right? And yet I think there's so much resistance to, well, I'll use the chemical one. It's probably stronger. I'll use this with deodorant, with bug spray, with, with anything. I think we have this idea that this harsh chemical will do a better job. What is the resistance that you hear when you're talking about your products to people and how do you counter that? 
Well, I think you're absolutely right. And we have to, you know, credit, you know, decades of advertising, much of it false advertising, right? Getting people to go away from homemade natural solutions um, and, you know, buy into the chemical paradigm that's killing them and the planet. Um, but what we are often find is, you know, so you do have a certain percentage of people who say, oh, is this really going to work? How does it work? And, and that's where our tens of thousand customers really help us because the love letters that they give us and share with us help other people to make the leap themselves because they trust their brother, their sister, their mom, their aunt, their cousin, right? Um, But what we more frequently find is in the same way that if you know somebody who's taken too many antibiotics and then they get sick and there's not a drug that's strong enough for them, we more often come across people who say, listen, ladies, it's not just that you're natural. Nothing works for me. They've tried all the chemicals, and they went from regular strength to extra strength to clinical strength. They've probably started getting a prescription from their doctor for about $80 a month. We have people who've had Botox in their pits to try and stop stinking and sweating. We've even had young customers under age 20 who've already had surgery to remove lymph nodes in the search to become dry and odor-free. That's more the desperation that we come across. So when we say you can do it and you can do it simply and we can get say, just give us a week, give us a chance to try this, consider consider the possibility that we could solve this more simply, they're blown away to find out that after having been on that long journey, you know, and sometimes spending thousands of dollars or years of embarrassment to find out that the simple solution that these sisters are making actually does the job. And then they're really converts for life. And, and we're great because, like I said, we're a small family business and our customers are ev- our evangelists, right? They're the ones spreading the word um, who's gotten the word out there, you know, along with our lovely friends here at WGN helping us to get the word out. Certainly. Well, glad to glad to help. Like I said, I, I've, I've tried this, these products and I think they're great. So I'm happy to talk about them. Um, so... When you when you think back about when you first started the business to now, what what has been the most surprising thing along the way? A thing that if you could go back and tell yourself on day one, what would that advice be? Wow, I mean, I think you know, as as women in business, as sisters in business, um, you know, we you know we've we've been up against so many um, different things. Part of it is the chemical paradigm that exists in our country and around the world, right? Um, part of it is the access to capital that doesn't necessarily exist for small business or, you know, women in business. Um, you know, but I think if, if we'd known up front that it's to us what, I, what we learn time and time again is it's ultimately day in and day out really about our customers. Um, it isn't about all the big industry deals or trade shows or stuff like that. Our relationship one-on-one with the people that they wear these products, that care about these products, that are helped by those products, as long as we keep our focus there, everything's great, right? Because they're, they're why we do this. Um, you know, we, we used to do end-stage care for families with, you know, who are suffering with members with breast cancer, and we switched our focus to help people have access to things that are about prevention, right? And so if we keep the focus there on how we can help people and how our products are helping them, then I think that always guides the right next best choice. Certainly. So where can people go to find the products for themselves and read more about the Duggan Sisters brand? Well, sure. You can go to DuggansSisters.com. Duggan is D-U-G-G-A-N Sisters.com. If you want to zoom right into the store, you can go to store.DuggansSisters.com. And can I make a little offer for the folks who are listening? Certainly. 
Well, we just really appreciate the chance to, to get to talk and have a conversation like this um, with folks who are considering going natural or have hesitated, like you said, or maybe have had a bad experience with a natural that wasn't as strong in the past, so they're you know, want to get, you know, give this one a chance. Um, so we'd like to offer your listeners a special coupon this month, July 2019, where are we now? Um, so if you just use WGN as a coupon code at checkout, you'll get 10% off your offer for the whole, off your order for the whole month of July. Wonderful. Well, thank you. That's so generous of you. So again, that's coupon code WGN at checkout. We'll get you 10% off at the Duggan Sisters store. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm sure as does everyone else. That's great. And we can find you on social media and all that. So again, if you follow me on Twitter, or you don't have to follow me, but you can certainly find me on Twitter. Um, I'll be sure and tweet out links to all the stuff and the specific products we talked about. I'll tweet that out after the program too. Well, thanks so much, Claire. I really appreciate you being with us tonight. Well, thanks for having me. Certainly. Come back anytime, of course. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. And say hello. To happy, the... happy, happy summer to everybody out there. Happy summer. And please say hello to the other two Duggan sisters. I very much. I will. Okay. <laughs> great. Great summer, everyone. Thanks. All right. So there you have it. And as I said, I'm telling you, I would not, I would not even tell you to try something I haven't used. And I'm, once I tried that in the swamps of Louisiana, I'm like, okay. These ladies know what's up and they know how to make some bug stuff. So I, I think this is great. I have some in my home right now. It's sitting on my kitchen counter. I highly recommend it. The Life Stings. And it's a cute name. The deodorant is Life Stinks and the bug spray is Life Stings. That's real cute. That's real cute. So anyway, I highly recommend it. And they're nice. And they're right here. They're local and their sister's doing their thing. So we're going to take a break here in a minute and get you to news and all of that good stuff. On the other side of news, let me tell you about all the things we're going to do. We're going to be talking with the founder of a company that creates custom made-to-measure clothing. It's a it's a clothing marketplace. And I'm telling you, as a tall lady, I'm, I'm here for this. Ro, I bet you are too. Absolutely. It's about time we have some options. I know. How tall are you? You're taller than me. Say it again. How tall are you? You're taller than I am. 5'11". Okay. You're an inch taller than me. Although I think I'm shrieking. I think I might be like 5'9 now. But I've, I've been 5'10 for a long time. I hear that all the time. Like once you hit a certain age, once you like late 20s, you start shrinking. Oh, late 20s. I feel like I, I hung on for my 30s. And then I think, no, I think actually late 30s, I felt like, you know what? I think I'm a little shorter. Oh, I probably just I ran too much. To I probably just ran too much and like compacted my spine or something. <laughs> I don't know terrible. what I did. I don't know what the heck I did. Anyway, we're going to be talking about that. And as tall ladies, Ro and I have, Ro and I, we have questions for this person. So we're going to be talking with her and we're going to be talking with a theater critic because guess what's coming back? Cats. Oh my gosh. Those are songs that get into my head all the time. So we're going to be talking about that and uh, probably lots of other stuff to see and do and consider and watch and all that. And then we're going to hear from an author who wrote a book about burnout and how to cure it five minutes at a time. It's a really fun book. It's so great. So stick around for all that. We're busy here in the middle of the night is what we are. We're busy, Ro. We are. We like to keep it uh, interesting. We do. <laughs> we try to. I mean, you know, YOLO, et cetera. I or, think we do a pretty good job, but I that's just me. I think we do too, Ro. And I think the great jams that you're playing, totally helping. Okay, so we're going to take a break, get you the news, all that good stuff, back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. All of us. <laughs> online. And on demand. WGNradio.com. On demand. 
I mean, the shortest commercial breaks ever tonight, Ro. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> They're just trying to give you all the talk time. Here's the thing that people don't understand about radio hosts that I got to tell you. I hope this is not vulgar. We need to tinkle sometimes and we count on commercial breaks <laughs> to do them, to, do, to go and do that, to run to the little girl's room. And when the commercial break is 15 seconds, we cannot do that. <laughs> we can't. We can't do it. You can barely make it in the three minute spot. It's like, ooh. well, see, when we were over at Tribune Tower, there was like it was right there. I mean, oh, really? But no matter what studio you were in, there was a loo right within you know, five feet from you. So it was easy. You could just like go to commercial break, go in there, tinkle, run back. You're good. Now, oh, that thing's around the hall, down the hall, around the corner. It's like, man. Yeah, you're running. You're listening to it as as the show's going on, making sure that you don't miss your spot. I know. And I got to tell you, when, the first time we came over here to see the space while it was being built out, that was my first question. I was like, where, where's the bathroom? Because <laughs> I, I like to hydrate. I like to drink water all day long. So I'm like, wait a minute, hang on. And then I said that out loud and I was with a bunch of other hosts. I think Bertrand was there and he was like, wait. Yeah. And then everybody kind of got, wait a minute. Yeah. Domino so, effects. I know. Like, hey. So I know. And and everybody was like, hang on, you guys. Like leadership was over here and they're like, hang on. We're going to show you. It's close enough. And I was like, not convinced. Seven twenty WGN. Hey there. It's Amy Guth with you till one o'clock. We got lots coming up on the show tonight. But before we do another thing, I have to do something I do every year at the 4th of July time. And uh, it's, a, it's a serious, somber kind of note, but it's an important one for me. I've done it uh, for those of you who've listened to me for a while. You've probably heard me do this year in and year out. But here's the thing. On the 4th of July, years ago, a member of my family was killed by a drunk driver. She was 24 years old. And she was thrown from the vehicle because of the impact of the crash, um, the person that hit her car. Um, and her car was completely destroyed and she was uh, killed instantly. Uh, and again, she was 24 years old. That is way too young to be uh, losing your life. Um for sure. So every year, I mean, I think of her all the time. She was uh, very creative. A lot of people say I look a lot like her. I think they're right. So I think a lot of other relatives, you know, think of her a lot in that way. Uh, but but the point being is this party all you want this week. A lot of people are off work. A lot of people are doing things. Do it up. Drink all you want. Do whatever you want. Just don't be an idiot is what I'm asking you to do because nobody plans to kill anybody. Nobody plans to get into a crash. A lot of people say, ah, I've only had a couple. I'm fine. You do not have to be falling down drunk to be able to get into a car and kill somebody. And here's the thing. I want everybody to get home alive this 4th of July weekend. And it will not happen if people are out drinking. So I need you. Let's make a deal. Drink all you want, party all you want, just make a plan. Just think ahead and go, okay, you know what? I'm going to call an Uber or a Lyft. So here in the city, you've got absolutely no excuse because you can call a Lyft, you can get on a bus, you can get on the train, not a problem. In the suburbs, maybe say, you know what? I'm going to leave my car there and maybe I'll just crash on their couch or maybe designate a driver or something like that. It doesn't take long, but it will it will save it could potentially save your life. It will save the life of others. And more importantly, it will spare a family a lot of pain. 
years and years and years of it because it never goes away. Parents never forget losing a child. Siblings never forget losing a sister. And it never goes away. And it always will be there. It will always hang over that family. And there will always be a hole in it. So that is my every year I give that PSA and I put it on Facebook and I put it on Twitter and I always say it on the radio because inevitably I will hear about somebody, a young person, an old person, some person who lost their lives. But it's easy to prevent. We just have to not be stupid. That's really it. And it's it's so easy to plan ahead. All right, I'm going to stop now because I don't want to get too far down a, a somber place. But I think it's really important that we that we say that and talk about it and all that. So Fourth of July, that's my deal. That's my thing. I warned you, Ro, I'm sorry. I told you I was going to like, I got to go serious for a minute. But, you know, I got to. I got to. What happened to your microphone? Something happened just now. <laughs> I'm not sure what. That was oh. weird. You had a very surprised look on your face all of a sudden. Anyway, but thank you for allowing me to do that because I think it's just, uh, you know, an important thing to say every year. I mean, it was perfect, and you sounded so beautiful saying it. Did you sounded I? like you sounded like this is something that you're that passionate about, and you're serious. You know, how people come on and they're always trying to give some spiel on the right thing to do this weekend and be safe and blah blah yeah. blah. But it's not. Yeah. There's no passion behind it. Oh no. So. Oh yeah. No no no. I mean, I, I agree. Think there's always a hole in a family. Yeah. Like the, if someone has lost their life tragically, that never goes away. And there's always, you know, and you always think like, oh, this person would be this age now. And I wonder what she would have done. And I wonder, you know, and especially someone, I mean, she was 24 when she died. So it was like, yeah. we don't know what she would have done. She was really crazy. She's a writer. She was, you know. Um, so. so here's a side note. Yeah. If you ever wondered why it is that it seems drunk drivers always uh, survive in in uh, those accidents. Yeah, it's because. <coughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Excuse me. Bro's choking. <clears throat> I know, right? It's because when it's time for the collision, so when you see the collision coming, we have a tendency to tense up. Yeah, they they won't. And they won't. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before. The too. impact. And this guy, this guy survived. Yeah, that was responsible right. for her death. He, um, I don't know this for a fact, but her, I'm almost sure um we were told that he in another state went and did it again wow because he didn't get you know significant jail time or anything and so you know like two people's lives lost so that's yeah. anyway i don't mean yes. to bring anybody down i know no one's listening to the radio it's like hey i want a major bummer in my ears right now no one's listening for that but you know thanks for indulging me i have to say that i feel like i have i feel like i have a moral obligation to say that every year absolutely aside from that what do you have planned i'm gonna do so much nothing really it's not a funny row <laughs> i'm gonna do so much nothing uh i don't know i mean i usually i like to i think probably because of that i'm not one of those people i don't like to be out on like public drinking holidays crowds kind of freak me out anyway i'm that they can be a bit much so i tend to just like to you know make a little food and relax it's i feel like those kind of days are days where especially if, like you know you got a bunch of jobs or something <laughs> you know like you get days off you get a day off a lot you know i've worked here many times on the fourth of july and it's really fun especially when we were um over at tribune tower because everybody was coming in and doing the things and going to navy pier and all that so it was kind of fun to watch people coming in um but I don't know. I'm going to just kind of chill. Just chill. What are you going to do? 
I think I'm along the lines of the same thing with you. I had a friend who was going to throw a party. Um, and then I think some things happened and they just changed their mind last minute. I never really, 4th of July has never been too much for me. What's your favorite holiday? Oh, Christmas. Christmas. I am a family person. So the holidays okay. that force us to come together and just appreciate our presence I'm good for it. And that's usually what Christmas is for us. My mom uh, raised us on a very traditional, um, don't worry about the gifts. The holidays are, are about the family. That's nice. Yeah, kind of sense. So we always do. We always cook ahead of time. And Oh, what's your favorite dish at Christmas time? My mom's sweet potato pie. Oh, it's so good. I'd fight somebody for a sweet potato pie. It's oh, so it's so good. And then <laughs> she, she, you know how... When you mash the sweet potato, sometimes you get the strings and all yeah. that. She knows how to do it where it's no strings. It's smooth. Mm. It's buttery, cinnamony goodness. Oh, oh can goodness. we can we get that recipe out of mom? No. no. It's passed down from my grandmother <laughs> and she's not giving it up. What do you have to do to get it? She's got to give it to you eventually. I think she's going to give it to me once I get married. I think she's just like, you need a family first. Come on. I know, right? I think the same way. A single lady deserves to make a sweet potato pie whenever she wants. What if I just decided I wanted something sweet for my birthday or something? Yeah, what you if know? you're like, hey, people, it's Monday. I want a sweet potato pie to myself. <laughs> what do nope. I want for dinner? Sweet potato pie. I have to ask my mom to uh, personally mom. make it for me. I have, a th I have a guess about how she gets the sweet potato strings out. Hmm. Yeah, I got a guess. What's your guess? Well, she's probably got some kind of strainer. She's got to push it through there. I guess I can see that. Mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. see that. Hmm. Or maybe she like puts it in a Nutribullet. Oh, I don't know. She's probably like shaking really her ask. head right now. She's right. like, nope, nope. That's <laughs> not what I do above. at all. None of the above. Both of you are dumb. You don't it's even know. It's the most old fashioned way yeah, possible. Yeah. Watch. Yeah, right. Exactly. See, my grandmother never wrote anything down. And so we could never get recipes out of her. Because she she go, mm, well, you know, you just want to put a little of this. You're like, but so what I started, I would just follow her. Smart girl. I just start following her around because I knew like she's never going to write this down. She's never going to be able to tell me. So I just follow her around the kitchen. Let me get that for you. Let me reach that for you. You're just a little tiny thing. Let me just reach that. So I could just watch what she was doing. And I think it made me a better cook because I could just kind of watch. She'd be like, okay, she just puts a couple shakes of that. She tastes it. Meh, a couple more. Okay, fair enough. What's your favorite part about watching grandmother cook in your childhood? Mm. Well, she was, oh, I don't know. She would just kind of like, she was like a funny lady and she would just kind of be silly and all that. But I think just the smells in her kitchen. Uh, one time I walked by a restaurant here. Here's, you know, thousand, like a thousand miles away from where her kitchen was. Um, I walked by a restaurant and the door was open and for a second it smelled like her kitchen. I mean, you know, smells so powerful oh, and it just took me nostalgic. back and I was like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa. And I went in there. I was like, what? What is this place? What do you sell here? And he was like, pie. <laughs> I'll be back. Okay. And it was amazing. I was like, I don't know what nice. was in there, but it was so specific to her kitchen. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. So sweet potato pie with your mom. We're going to work on your mom. Get that recipe out of her. We're going to have to get, going to have to do some, uh, Either that or row. We gotta go. We gotta. We gotta get you married. Oh man, I'm not ready yet. That's a long way. That's a long way to go to get a sweet potato, yeah. sweet potato pie <laughs> recipe.
Either way, okay. arrange marriage for the sweet potato pie. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes people get married for health insurance or something. You'd be like, hi, this is my friend Ro. She is so nice. Would you consider marrying her so that her mom will give her a sweet potato pie <laughs> recipe? We'll make you one. It'll be fine. Thank we, you. That, that'd be the deal. We pay them two pies a year. <laughs> Hello, we're. Um, I'm wondering if you would be interested in marrying my friend Rose so she can get a sweet potato pie. <laughs> she will give you a sweet potato pie every year. Thanks, bye. Otherwise, don't talk and don't bother her. <laughs> That's our plan. I don't know why I'm not a matchmaker, Ro. <laughs> you should be. You obviously have the skill level. Full of good ideas, clearly. All right, we're going to take a break. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth here with you till one o'clock with esteemed producer Ro Coleman playing all those good jams. Those are I'm telling you, if you had just a Spotify playlist, Ro, and every day you just added to it all the things you're playing on the radio, you would have a bajillion followers because you play such good music and everybody at the station knows it. Thank you. I think I might actually start making a playlist. Maybe I have to get together with Vic Vaughn on uh, putting together a special WGN hit list. I like that. That's a good idea. I love that. Okay. I'm behind this plan completely. Um, You know what? Speaking of the newsroom, because you mentioned Vic, there's always a bunch of food in there every time I, you know, and when I come into work, I always check in in the newsroom and go, hey, what's any big stories developing I need to know about or anything? Because, you know, you don't, you want to be on top of your game. But I go in there and there's always so much food in there. So many foods that are not good for you are always sitting there. Like, I've never walked in there and been like, oh, a tray of carrots. No, there's like an apple danish in there or a, you know, strudel or something. And then there's like a big thing of red vines. But there is something in there tonight that I think is crack cocaine. And it is like half mint, half chocolate, or one third mint, one third chocolate, and one third jelly bean. I don't know what this is, but they're good. Don Kleppen was like, hey, there's a thing. Try that. And I'm like, sure, okay. They're delicious. And now I want to eat them all. I'm going to have to go check that out because that almost does not sound appetizing to me. I, know. I don't like mint, like chocolates like that. Mm, I don't know if you like this then. it's. I think it's delicious though. So I'm here to tell you. I will. I'm, I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, I want to totally switch subjects because this has nothing to do with candy with what, I, what I'm going to say today or right now. And that is uh, so during the weekdays, as many of you know, I do a show called The Crane's Daily Gist. It is a podcast. You can get it at WGM Plus or Spotify or iTunes or any of those kind of places. And that's through our friends over at Crane's Chicago Business. And they are super fun to work with. And today is one was one of those days in particular. Um, so I, I talk about some headlines and then I always interview a reporter or a business leader about about a topic in the news. And today I interviewed um, a reporter there. She's a law and manufacturing reporter. Her name is Claire Bushy. I interviewed her because she has a story that is in cranes right now that made me laugh out loud so hard. I don't even know what to tell you. She interviewed Looking ahead, knowing that on January 1st, recreational marijuana is set to become legal in Illinois, she interviewed a pot dealer and said, hey, so it's going to become, you know, legal. Are you worried about your business drying up? And it was such a good conversation. This guy is very on his game. He's like, look, I made $200,000 tax-free money and I can't market or advertise. So obviously I'm doing okay here. I'm not worried about it. His point was an interesting one. His point was he's not worried about it because 
what you would buy from the state will be will have a 10 to 25 percent tax markup on it he says my stuff will be better anyway and he the you know the kind of analogy like the way to think about it is like even when sports betting is legal here if you've been working with a bookie all this time you're going to probably keep working with that bookie absolutely the way she explained it was um she was, you know, think about like just because you can get a book from Amazon. What are you doing to your mic in there? You're like, f- I'm, I'm, I'm fighting with my mic right now. I'm like, there's something <laughs> in happening way. over there. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so she, she said, it's like we know we can get a book maybe less expensively or faster or or whatever from Amazon, but we like the little corner bookstore, so it might take longer. There might be some issues, but it was interesting to have a conversation. Uh, and to hear her talking about having a conversation, taking like, let's just set the legal considerations aside for a minute. So she, you know, she's like, yes, what he is doing is against the law, for sure. But just think about it from an economic perspective. I thought that was such a fascinating thing. So I loved talking with her. You can, again, find that on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We laughed so hard in that conversation. Also, um, she quotes this person throughout the story, and he spoke on the condition that she wouldn't give his real name because obviously he's a pot dealer. So um, she quoted him in the story and at one point he drops an F-bomb. And if you are a regular Cranes reader, that is not a publication you're gonna see that word in very often, like ever. But the way he was, the the way he said it, you kind of needed it in there to make the point he was trying to make. So it, there's an F-bomb in there. She made the case to the publisher. And uh, um, I don't know, I felt like I, I tweeted her story this, this weekend. And I said, this, these are reporter bucket list things. You interview someone who's breaking the law, who will, who's willing to talk to you and put their trust in you. That's a big one on the bucket, on the journalism bucket list. I think getting uh, a swear word in print, that's probably on the, the journalism bucket list. The one I would add to that is probably saying stop the presses. Oh, I've, I've never really gotten the opportunity. Also, yeah, we'd have to run all the way. In what scenario is a story big enough to stop every other every other story you're working on to tend to it? I think if something changes very dramatically that is going to be not just in print, but maybe like a, a big headline, like if it's the front page, um, there there is one story probably about 10 years ago something there was a story that was going to run and it got put through really quickly before the head editor heard about it like the overall editor so like the section editor knew but not the overall editor oh wow and when that editor found out it was like absolutely not and it was like the cover of that section so it was you couldn't have missed this story and so those got pulled but that's I, I don't think it happens often. It's got to be. But I think, too, some papers ha- have to guard against that more than others. Right. Like the Tribune has to guard because of like the Truman and, you know, yeah. headline and all of that. So um, I don't know what what else would be on the journalism bucket list. I can't think of. I mean, we don't really there's no stop the press uh, uh, as equivalent. A badass here. investigative story. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Where you like you like bust a, a, po- a politician or. Somebody with influence and power. Oh, man, that'd be great. Awesome. I think that's probably what led most of us here (laughs) is the idea that maybe, maybe, just maybe I could do something that would be impactful. But that's the thing. You never know what story is going to do that, right? I mean, the two reporters that wrote 
the initial story that really got people using and thinking about the Me Too movement, right, in a really impactful way. I mean, one of those reporters, Megan Tui, she used to work here in Chicago at the Tribune. So, you know, you never know what, um, you know, what's what's the story that's going to launch a thousand ships or get the dominoes to fall or whatever thing you want to say. Um, I think it's really interesting. I mean, obviously, a Pulitzer would be nice, you know. Just w- a little something to sprinkle on top. A little. I mean, okay, I'll take a Pulitzer, I guess. <laughs> I've never won an award for anything. I and mean, that's not true. I won like a fun contest at the Laugh Factory for uh, 2013 Funniest Media Personality in Chicago. I did that. Ooh. I don't know how I won because Brian Noonan was also in that. And he was so funny. I had tears in my eyes. I was laughing so hard. I was going to pass out. And I was like, he killed. He won. He psh- Let's all go. He won. He totally won. So when you won, did you take him out for drinks as a constellation prize? No, he left. I didn't see him. I don't know where he went after that. <laughs> but mm. we, he speaks to me now. It's fine. There was a minute he didn't know. I'm just kidding. He's never been anything but very nice to me. Um, but that was a really fun night. And I think I won because I told a embarrassing, cringeworthy story. So people felt bad for me. What's the story? <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to tell it in a in a succinct way. But essentially... I open it by saying, like, my dad was in the hospital, and this is what was happening. And I go, I promise this is about to get funny. Here's the thing. But my dad was, like, not conscious enough to be able to tell me what was going on. So I ha- And the nurses were busy, and I had to help him in a way that you don't ever want to have to help a relative, especially not your own parent. And it was very traumatic for me. <laughs> and essentially, I ended up, I had to help. There was a medical tape incident. I'm just going to let your mind wander to the worst case scenario. It is that medical tape had shifted on him and he was uncomfortable and there was not a nurse available and I had to fix it for him. I rationalize it by saying this man changed my diaper when I was a baby. So, oh, that's gonna, nice of you. But it was real traumatic. And he <laughs> I was like, I can't let my father be in pain. However, there's some medical tape that has shifted in a very unfortunate way. So I told that story. And I guess people laughed. So, you know, they cringed. I remember people going, oh, and like cringing a lot. That's what I remember the most. Hmm. Yeah. I'll let you read it. I have it written. Uh, Yeah. You're definitely going to have to let me hear the whole thing. Yeah. 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 I can't really. Because, you know, you can't talk about your dad's, you know. Yeah. It's a little awkward. on the air. (laughs) It's a little awkward. Just a tad bit. (laughs) That was my strategy was like make people cringe. (laughs) But But my point is that's the only thing I've ever won. Right. So there's lots of career like awards. And I think everybody, every host here but me is like one, all kind of stuff. And I'm like, Amy, your Emmy is coming. I want an Emmy and a Pulitzer. I want a Listigor. I really want a Studs Turkle Award. Hmm. I want, I'm speaking all this into existence. I want all those things. Yep. I'm not worried. You got to start putting dates on them now. Remember, you got to be definite. Oh, I mean, tomorrow's good. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I I haven't thought about dates. Well, anyway, I'm going to go to break. We're going to go to news. I'm going to think about when I will allegedly win all these awards. We shall see about that. And then when we come back, we are talking with the founder of a custom-made, made-to-measure clothing marketplace company. I'm telling you, as a tall lady, I'm really excited for this. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN.
720 WGN. It's Amy Guth. Thanks for being with us. That's such a good song. I have to... So here's the thing, Ro. You play such beautiful music. I just kind of zone out and want to dance and get into it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I have to talk. You got to <laughs> start taking a couple notes and write down the, the, the playlist. This is why I'm telling you, you should just be like tweeting these out during the show or put together a Spotify playlist at the end of every single show and share that. You would just get a following. You have can, a we do, following. can we do like a, a rotation? Call it a rotation with rope. I was going to say a rotation. Yeah. I like it. It's good. All right. We, we got company, Ro. We got people. All right. We're joined now by Dana Todd, who is founder of a company that is a custom made-to-measure clothing marketplace. As a tall woman, I am extremely excited to speak with you, Dana. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you very much for having me on. And you're a tall woman, so I think I can help you. Wonderful, because nothing fits me and I'm always griping about it. Okay, so tell me about (laughs) about your company and how it works with custom made-to-measure clothing. Okay, so first of all, have you ever bought custom-made clothing? Uh, Outside of a bridesmaid's dress, no. Well, I think that's what most people have as an experience. And once upon a time in this country, it actually used to be much more de rigueur, right? Everybody had a dressmaker. Everybody knew somebody who could make custom clothes for them. And we kind of forgot how to do that. So the traditional way you do it is you go to a local shop. They measure you. You pick something out, and you look at some fabric, and they make it for you. And that's all in well and good, but... Depending on where you live and how much access that person has to designs, it might be a little bit limiting for a lot of people, and it's not necessarily as convenient as doing Internet shopping. So the concept behind Belladana is that you get a good combination of that hand-holding and high-touch service, but we're actually tapping into a worldwide network of very talented, uh, bespoke, and tailor-made clothing makers. So you can get everything you want through the Internet made exactly to your body measurements. All you need is your measurements, and, we're, and click, click, you got it. Okay, and so you can do your measurements, but then there's some that are just kind of like, well, but my, you know, from from my waist to my hip is this far away, or I have a long waist, or I like to, you know, I like a little extra room in my sleeves, or how do you get, how do you communicate all of those kind of nuances with the people making the clothing? So we actually, we would love all those measurements. So first of all, you may not realize that. First, you could go to our website, and we have a a link at the bottom for measurements. You can download a 35-point, very detailed measurement profile to take it to your local dry cleaner or person who hems your pants, and they'll probably do it for you for free. So you got all your baselines there. You could adjust them if you feel like you'd like a little extra padding. We have a very robust profile you can fill out that even tells us, oh, I like things to be looser or I like things to be you know, this color or that color. And we really try to make sure that, again, that high-touch service is there. I, I can tell you I personally get in the middle of the going back and forth with our tailors and the customers to make sure everything's just right because you know, sometimes I'm dealing with uh, people in another country who have English as second language. We're dealing with metrics and at this point in time, it's still a semi-manual process, but it's assisted by technology. But our technology vision, and that I'm a tech person, I came in from a tech background, the technology vision is that once we've had a couple of years of doing this and enough data, we'll be able to automate an awful lot more of this. 
That's so interesting. And then, of course, the the big question then is how what is the price point like for this? Because we think of something being custom as being way out of reach and only for a small group of people. Like Meghan Markle. Yes, she's bringing mm-hmm. back custom-made clothing. Hurrah. <laughs> well, you know, we actually have things that start at $50, would you believe it? So we have something for everyone in different price points. So, yes, we have our Savile Row tailors who have the most lickable, you know, blazers for $1,000 that are just gorgeous. But we also have um, we have a line called Sam Shack, which is out of India. It's a brother and sister duo. I love their stuff. Our stuff is affordable because we don't do a triple markup. It's a marketplace. We only take 20% off the top. So unlike traditional retail where only 20% gets put into the entire manufacturing process, we're putting 80% back into the maker's pocket where they can pay their people better, they can use better product, better materials, and uh, take a little bit longer with the labor so that they can do a better job with that. What is the origin story of this company? How did you come to create this? Are you a woo-woo person? Because I have to tell you. I I can take some woo-woo. Let's go. Let's do the woo-woo. You can take some woo-woo? Well, it started in, it's going to sound so weird. In 2015, I was doing some meditation. I do a spiritual practice. And I swear, I heard a very clear voice that said, let your hair go natural. Now, if you knew me back in the day, I made my personal brand in digital marketing by having this extreme hair color. Fire engine red, purple, blonde, streaks, you name it. It has been every color in the rainbow. It had never been my natural color, not since I was 19. And so it was a bit of a radical shock for me to even think about changing my hair back to natural. But you know how when you get a new carpet or a new, uh, a new sofa and suddenly everything in the room seems to need a change? Well, it's exactly what happened. When I changed my hair to what was then now gray at the ripe old age of 50, and then my body started changing, I realized I needed to swap out my wardrobe. It was really very dull. And in tech, you can't be dull. And so I found myself very, very frustrated. Like most women in America, I had a hard time finding clothes that fit. And anything that did fit, and I'm an average size, by the way. I'm like a 10, 10, 12. So I'm not like a crazy size. And nothing would fit me. And if it did, it was just sort of these loose things that didn't really have a lot of personality or shape and it didn't make me feel very powerful as an executive. I was a chief marketing officer. And so I was like, this really bites. And then I stumbled um, on Etsy on a Romanian designer who made these great like streetwear clothes, but she would do them all to made to measure. And so I was able to find something that was semi-age appropriate and absolutely perfect for my body. And I'm like, this rocks. So why isn't this a better custom experience? So I set about trying to remake the entire thing as a, as a much more customer-focused, integrated process. And I flew to Romania, met the woman who made design my clothes, signed her up and three other people in Eastern Europe before I even laid one line of code. That's so interesting. How many people, how many makers are you working with? We have 16 signed right now, 12 are live on the site. The others are in the process of onboarding, and we'll keep adding them on. We're not, we don't want to be Etsy. Etsy has like 1.9 million merchants. That's, that's too much for most people to navigate. And we want to curate for people who have at least 
three years doing internet delivery of, of Made to Measure and at least five years in business so that we know they're going to be around. Right. It's so interesting. Well, we're going to take a little break. I hope you'll stick with us. I have more questions for you. Uh, we're talking okay. We're talking with Dana Todd right now, who is the founder of a company who makes custom Made to Measure clothing. But you don't make it. You help connect people with the people who make it. So that's so interesting to me. So many, many questions back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty, WGN. It's Amy Guth. Thanks for being with us. With you till one o'clock this morning. We have so much to do between now and then. Oh my gosh! I'm looking at our our list. We got people coming in. We got someone else calling in. We got somebody on the phone now, and that somebody is Dana Todd, the founder of Balladana, a custom made to measure clothing marketplace. And as I said at the top, as a five ten woman, I am real excited about the idea of of within reach custom clothing because we think about that being a thing that's for very wealthy people far far away from here but as dana said fifty dollars some stuff is fifty dollars on that site i'm i'm into this i'm into this all right dana i have lots (laughs) lots more questions for you and so i want to kind of shift to the overall business ownership piece of that because it's always challenging to start a business and i love talking with people who have done so successfully and when you think about the the road that you've been on so far and what you've learned about that business what is your your biggest takeaway maybe something you would have done differently or maybe advice you would give to somebody who's also start trying to start a business especially maybe a business with working with people around the globe like you're doing Oh, well, gosh, that's a big, big question. Let me, I'll start with what the easy part, which is um, don't start building until you're really, really sure of the market. And, and not just how big it is and all the things that you put in a business plan, but your go-to-market strategy. If I had some do-overs, I probably would have spent a little bit more money up front in market development and actually building up our social media presence a little bit more and doing the whole influencer thing. But yeah, you can only do so much in a day. Um, but that being said, we're, we're gathering people right now. It's, it's really interesting, like doing the global thing, how to do that has actually been both easier and, and more challenging than I ever expected. Certainly there's the obvious things like language difficulties and dealing with currency changes and even how to pay people. Because there are some countries where it's almost impossible for us to send money there because of various restrictions that we have in the U.S. So there, there are some complexities there. But what I've found is just marvelous, though, is how warm everyone is that I've dealt with. Most of them come through either a personal referral or I reach out to them when I hear about them. I set up a bunch of Google alerts and, uh, you know, I find them on Etsy. And when I tell them about the vision, because it so much matches with the reason they do what they do, which is to try to make things to make women beautiful, there's just this global, it's immediate bond. It's a universal bond around a common goal, right? So that's, that to me has been wonderful, a wonderful finding that no matter where you are in the world, if we can all agree on what we're trying to do together, it doesn't matter what language we speak. That's so true. That's such a wonderful thing. And of course, you get to travel to these places, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah not as much need, as I'd like, but yeah, I, I want to go back to Eastern Europe. <laughs> if you need someone to like hold some luggage for you or whatever, I'm great at that. I am so good at holding people's stuff. I can do that. <laughs> I can do all those things. <laughs> and so what about when, when you think ahead and what's on the horizon for your company, what is kind of the pie in the sky for you of just here's what would be the coolest outcome ever? You really want to hear it? The big, big vision? Yes, of course. The big, big vision. So at some point, we're going to run into some scaling stuff. And, and you may not realize this, but we are actually within 10 years or less of an extinction event here in the country where we are actually running out of qualified tailors and people who can truly make an outsource from soup to nuts. And that's because immigration has changed in its patterns where people are coming from and how many people are coming in and the types of jobs they're seeking. The people who are here have not replaced themselves. They're aging out. Their families aren't taking over the business. So when you think about that, that's a little terrifying, but it's also a huge opportunity. So if I had a vision of mashing up my favorite passion of girls with STEM careers and also fashion, I would find a way, and also Chicago, right? So I'd find a way to make Chicago essentially the epicenter of fashion tech. The U.S. and Chicago has this incredible opportunity right now to create enabling technology that we outsourced for so long, we've literally forgotten how to do any of that. And if we can bring up girls to stay in STEM careers and do interesting things. They can help us create sustainability. We can repopulate local areas with um, very talented artisans who know how to craft the architecture of a good dress, for example. All those things are literally going to be lost if we don't intervene now with technology and training and services to help us create the next generation of how we do on-demand, single-production single, single, uh, single production clothing, which, by the way, is the most sustainable method of making clothes. It does not end up in landfill. It stays in your closet because you wear it for 20 years and possibly pass it down to your children. Hmm. You just handed me a whole lot. I feel like we, we got to clear the books and talk for another three hours because there's so much with what you just said. <laughs> There's a lot going on. And these are all topics I feel like I talk about all the time. In fact, just probably a year ago, not even a year ago, I did an entire two hour special about clothing and fashion history and fashion tech and sustainable oh. fashion and all of that, because I think that's such an interesting topic for sure. And in that show, an interesting number emerged. And that was, um, I was talking with author Anne Elizabeth Moore, who wrote a book called a graphic novel called Threadbare, but it's not even a novel, graphic not it's not it's nonfiction book um, called Threadbare and mm -hmm. and in talking with her she made the case that the fashion industry has is so primed to be the place to crack the wage gap because there's so many women employed around the world and it's so dependent on women's labor that to organize within the fashion world and in the fashion creation world is how to crack the code globally for the wage gap. I love it. Oh, I have to read that book. That yeah. sounds amazing. It's a really good one. She's oh. lo she's local. She's very, very interesting. It was a very good conversation. So what if I should invite her to our fashioners? I started a meetup group called Fashion Nerds. I'm trying to gather up all the loose fashion nerds. 
That's so, so we can have, we can have uh, learnings together. Oh, I love that. What so what happens at that event? Uh, well, so far we've only had one. We went to 2112. I don't know if you know this, but 2112, which is a local incubator primarily focused on the music industry, mm-hmm. is exploring, replicating what they've done in music for fashion. So they've been hosting a series of Chicago state of fashion, fashion tag panels. They're just kind of uh, organically grown community discussions. How interesting. So when we're talking about fashion tech, I know, this is why I have so many questions for you. So when we're talking about fashion tech, what, what, what is the range of things when we're thinking about what all that encompasses that is from where to where? So it started out when people... People used to think of fashion tech as just like wearables. That was sort of where it was first applied. So everything from glow-in-the-dark dresses to, you know, Google Glass and, and of course, the now very ubiquitous smartwatch. So that was sort of the first wave of what we call fashion tech. But in reality, you can apply it because everything's interconnected to the entire manufacturing chain. So all the way from the front end, body scanners, getting your measurements in, turning that into a digital pattern, creating, you know, a a means to communicate with back end printing and cutting systems, all the way to your logistics systems. All of that ultimately can be assisted by FashTech. And then, of course, even within that, there's cool design things that you can do um, in the textiles themselves and in creating yeah, I guess I'd, I'd say uh, what I'm looking at, because I'm looking very close to the best. There is right now, I just found this out today, actually, and I was so shocked. There is no such thing as a cloud-based pattern, pattern-making system. Everything is still sitting on these desktops in this, you know, old-fashioned licensing model, which means that there's no, like, sales force for, for the garment industry, right? Everything's in these disconnected systems all over the planet. So the first one who makes it to the cloud is going to be highly disruptive. And so to me, the fast tech is everything that allows the creativity and the manufacturing of, of fashion to be done with a technological twist. Oh, that is so interesting. I'm shocked that does not exist. It should absolutely exist. I know. I, you know what? I'm going to kill look because I'd love to be wrong, and, and I'm sad that, I, that, that because I really believed that there was one out there. Yeah. <laughs> we have been talking to one partner who's probably closest, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And if it doesn't exist, we got to build that. we got to stay up tonight and build it like, yeah. right away because yeah. that should absolutely exist. Oh, man. Okay. And it should exist in Chicago, right? Ah. <sighs> Absolutely, it should. Okay, well, I got a project for the summer. Done. Great. Good. Okay, so I feel like I could keep you on the phone all night because I have so many questions for you. We've only got a couple of minutes left, so I want to make sure that you tell us all about where people can go to find out more, how they can order, what they need to do, all that good stuff. All right. Well, first things first, Balladana.com. That's B-A-L-O-D-A-N-A.com. Second, if they live in Chicago, we can hook you up with a measurement. We can even come to you depending on where you are, or we can find a local tailor or help you get your measurements. Don't let that be the holdup because that's where women get stuck 
first. And it's really not that hard, and you're going to be so happy you just got it out of the way because it's useful even beyond our website. You need it for navigating the other size guides on the Internet. Um, and then you just shop like normal. It looks just like a regular department store website. We have pants. We have dresses. We have underwear. We have all kinds of things. Um, and you just pick out what you want. Click the Buy button, and we'll tell you which measurements you're going to need. You can fill out your whole profile if you want or just do the minimum requirements, and we'll take it from there and make sure you get it. Actually, most of them are done within um, four weeks. Some of them as fast as seven days, depending on who you're buying from and what the product is. That's so interesting. This is such a good idea, and you've filled my head with so many other ideas and so many follow questions. So you'll have to come back and visit us some other time because this is very cool, and I can't wait to see all the cool things you do. And again, everybody, if you Thank follow you. me on Twitter, I will be sure and share a link to this and everything else we've talked about on the program tonight so you can find it for yourself. Dana Todd, founder of Balladana, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I have so enjoyed talking with you. It has been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. All right. Thanks so much. All right, my friends, we are going to take a little break, get you to news, all that good stuff back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth. Thanks for being with us tonight. You know, it's not often that you have a guest willing to come visit you in the middle of the night, but that is exactly what's happening right now. We are joined by Philip Potempa, who is uh, an entertainment columnist for the Post Tribune and Chicago Tribune. You've read him; he writes everywhere. Welcome to the studio. I'm so glad you came in to visit us Thank tonight. Thank you so much. You know, it's the perfect time because it's right at midnight, just like the the show we're going to talk about, where it's based. So. That's right. That's right. Are you going to sing that for us? <laughs> we want we want people to feel relaxed, and that would not put them put them in a good frame of mind. Well, indeed, Cats is coming back. I saw that sign up and I thought, wow, I haven't seen that logo in a very, very long time. It was the 80s. It was the mid 80s last time I saw Cats, but it's coming back and it's it's going on the road and it's going to be here in Chicago. Yes, Broadway in Chicago, they're they're the presenters of it and they're bringing it right here downtown. And I want to say, you know, you would think a lot of people have seen it, but there's new generations that have not seen it. And we always, whenever I've written about this and I've been, gosh, writing columns for newspapers for the last gosh 25 years and and i always say it's a fantastic show to introduce that young audience member who maybe has not had their first experience they're sure to be you know definitely engaged by all those feelings that are crawling through the audience and i don't think i'm giving anything away because as we were talking before we went on the air i mean it's been done for so many years it's it's one of the most successful broadway musicals ever so if you don't know the story of it it's time that you're introduced to it. Yeah, indeed. And so uh, it started 1982 on mm-hmm. Broadway, ran a very long time, but I feel like the tour company started pretty quickly. It must have if I saw it, because I didn't see it on Broadway. Yeah, it, it really, you know, it was so successful. Then usually after, you know, two or three years that it's on Broadway, they want to get some kind of a tour going. And I was trying to count up how many times I've written about it. And Broadway in Chicago has been great about bringing it through here. So not only do we have those Broadway tours, but the last time I would say it's been anywhere around is when Marriott Lincolnshire, our friends up north, did a production of it in 2014. And if you've been to that space before, or your listeners, they know that that's a theater in the round, or maybe in this case, a theater in the square. But it changes sort of the dynamic. Because mm-hmm. one of the fun things, if you get to the show early enough, is just to stare at that set. Remember, it's a, it's a huge kind of a junk pile heap. And you can look really closely, and you can see all the elements of what it is in huge scale because we have humans playing the roles of these cats that are are crawling around as we said at midnight because it's the one night of the year when 
one of the cats is going to be selected to be reborn and get another nine lives. So yeah. that's kind of where the, the whole premise starts with. And, you know, to see it in, in kind of a traditional theater, it just makes it much more, I think, visually interesting. And, you know, Broadway in Chicago, they, they pull out all the stops when they bring in their productions. Oh, they they truly do. I saw uh, Fiddler on the Roof that they did earlier this year, and it was so beautifully done. And that's a show, I have seen that show so many times in my life, and yet they made it very modern. I thought that was so cool to oh, see, yeah. like, very cool modern details of the set where you didn't lose the timeline. You didn't feel like you weren't in Anatevka, but, but like, wow, I've seen this so many times, and yet I'm seeing it anew right now because of it, it looks so modern and interesting. And remember when it first opened, you know, the first couple minutes, of the of the production you're right even our our lead character you know tevia the milkman you think wait a minute he's in these contemporary clothes but then suddenly it takes you back to that community and, and to the tradition up in, in the mountain villages and with cats you know a lot of times people think why well, i've seen it before but as i heard you say a little earlier and you referred to yourself as a matchmaker so i thought of yenta the matchmaker <laughs> from fiddler earlier in your broadcast yeah. when you were chatting but with cats there's always a favorite song also you know and i think so many people they think of memories because that's the one that you know really everybody thinks of betty buckley doing that on broadway and what's interesting is is folks that don't realize that the whole musical is based on the poem by t.s Eliot. and originally it wasn't until after he had passed away that his widow valerie was the one who discovered some kind of um you know previously unpublished writings that included that character of grisabella and introduced it as a part of the musical so that's where that famous song came from otherwise may not have been in there that's so interesting yeah i i remember he there was a um a little bit of a resurgence of popularity in the in the mid late 80s of t.s Eliot work uh directly as a result of the popularity of of cats the musical now and you know and one of the things i would again you haven't seen it for a while but i just have to toss this in here because not every yeah. time do you get to see something like this and i've seen a lot of shows but to have a show stop in the middle of the show is very very it, that doesn't happen very often so I want to preface this by saying this was not the Broadway Chicago tour, but this was one that was out at our friends in Northwest Indiana at the Star Plaza. They brought in, a, you know, another touring company, probably kind of more of a, a B touring company, but still a professional company. And the big opening number, if you remember, again, is the cats are all frolicking about and they're in the audience and then they're on stage. And at one point, you know, they're kind of catawalling and carrying on and everything stops. And I don't think I'm giving anything away when this giant shoe mm -hmm. drops right in the middle of it. Remember, and everything right. is kind of a, you know, a stage gimmick. Well, for some reason, for this touring production, they're all dancing around, and the shoe did not drop. <laughs> so they're all kind of staring, scared, because they don't know if it's going to fall or if it's not going to fall. And finally, the, the stage manager, you hear this voice of God over the mic, and it says, actors, please hold. And everybody waits. They said, our production will resume in a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, you see this kind of a forklift going beep, <laughs> beep, beep, but it has to go and take the shoe down out of the out of the scaffolding and so wow. we don't want that to happen that, that 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 makes it scary the joys of live theater that's right live theater that is happen often but that's one that sticks in my mind and that was i think 2010 so it's like the the joys of live radio but with way more drama and makeup. that's right <laughs> exactly exactly hey you mentioned makeup one of the things over the years when i've interviewed the cast members you know, there's so many of them. Usually you would think of, okay, you know, they're in the dressing room, hair and makeup has to come and get the wigs. But each of these cast members, they have to do their own hair and makeup because there's mm. so many of them. And it takes about an hour and each of them have a very kind of a special detailed look. And they really move and, and look like cats. So I think, again, a lot of younger audience members are going to enjoy this because it kind of takes them right to that moment where they can see acting coming to life. And again, the songs, I mean, 
Mr. Mistopheles, the magical cat, those are things that you, you know, you'll be humming the entire weekend. Oh, for sure. What other things are coming up over the summer that you're excited about and recommend people check out? Well, there's a couple things that I bet even, you know, I had not heard of these titles, so I bet you and even your listeners will want to mark these down because there's something that are they're brand new, and that's always kind of nice to see something that you haven't seen before. We love cats, of course, but this is something that, you know, Fresh Theater is what Chicago is so famous for. So at the Den Theater, which is just right kind of you know, West Loop here along Milwaukee, it's I'm going to give you two options here. I'm going to give you one show that's unique and different that's just about to close. It's your last chance to see it this week, and then I'll give you another one that's just opening. So this one is called Queen of the Mist. And I know over the years, you know, we probably have seen cartoons or kind of the, the famous fables of people going over Niagara Falls in a barrel. It's kind of one of the famous things. And, you know, you're not supposed to do that. And it's so dangerous. And did people really do this? Well, they really did. And right now, Den Theater, it's Firebrand is actually the theater company that's producing there. They're doing Queen of the Mist. And it's the story of Annie Taylor. It only goes through July the 6th this weekend. But she actually did go over the falls in a, in one of these barrels. And then later kind of made a name for herself kind of writing not really a complete book but at least kind of a booklet of her experience in selling and kind of a bit of a you know a tourist name but who knew that people actually did this right right you know i i would not (laughs) it just seems kind of scary but yeah it's something that really happened and that's again that's queen of the mist so that's just here until july the 6th so it's been playing for a few weeks and here's a chance to catch it on the other flip of things i'll tell you one more if you've got a quick minute now we'll, we'll talk about this one this is a little farther north. We just talked about on the west side. It's a little farther north. It's at the Performing Arts Center, and, and it's uh, the North Shore Performing Arts Center in Skokie. It's called Hitler's Tasters. Oh, boy. It's a dark comedy, but it's based on actual facts that Adolf Hitler, he had three women, a trio of women who worked for him that were his food tasters. He didn't trust anybody. So this just kind of recounts these three women, their experiences, and what they might have talked about or discussed. And and boy what a job they have though right just kind of we were talking about you know food in your in your broadcast earlier but to have that kind of a a role and and to think about doing a dark comedy about it i'm not sure we'll see how that unfolds it's a short run it's july the 5th and it goes into july the 14th so again that's in skokie but hitler's tasters just the title of it makes you kind of scratch your head and think okay now how is this going to unfold on stage yeah definitely (laughs) i I think that's an interesting thing though I, i love the genre of work that is someone that was probably in the fringe of a room maybe someone who <laughs> witnessed a big moment or mm-hmm. or the person who you know was cooking the food for this big important dinner like who is right. that person we don't hear from mm-hmm. so i think that's very interesting i would be a little squeamish like walking up to the box office can i have a ticket for <laughs> exactly you know right you know it's just it's such a strange <laughs> premise but it's something that again it's factual it's something that really happened and and stories, again, that are not usually told, and, and the magic of theater brings them to life. And, you know, sometimes there's hits and sometimes there's misses, and this is one that I've not ever seen before, and I've seen a lot of theater, so we'll have to see how that unfolds. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to take a little okay. break and then stick around, because I want to keep asking you lots of questions. You are like an encyclopedia of knowledge here for the entertainment world. <laughs> I try. We're talking <laughs> with Philip Potempa. He is a columnist for the Post-Tribune, Chicago Tribune. You have read his writing somewhere about entertainment back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. Seven twenty WGN. It's Amy Guth with you till one o'clock. We've got Philip Potempa here in the studio with us, entertainment columnist for the Post Tribune and Chicago Tribune. You have definitely, definitely read something he's written because he he goes to a lot. Of, that's my question for you, Philip. You must go to so many things. How many shows do you see in the average week? 
I would say I'm in a theater seat at least two to three times and sometimes more. I spent four years on the Jeff Awards Committee, and that is a dedicated crew, let me tell you. In that case, I would usually see probably five or six, sometimes seven things in a week, and sometimes three shows a day. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's It's a lot, and that's why four years was a, a fine tour duty, but enough. Sure. and. As a theater columnist, yeah, I would say three or four is about comfortable because I want to still have the the voice and the mind of, of the casual theater goer because I don't want everybody, not everybody goes to the theater all the time. So I want to kind of talk about shows in a conversational way. If you're somebody that only goes maybe a couple times a year, that's fine. And, and maybe it'll kind of wet your taste buds and get you a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. What led you to write about this topic? Well, being based in Northwest Indiana, I think so many times people will think, and I live in Chicago, I live by Midway Airport as, as well, I divide my time between there and a family farm, but in Northwest Indiana, I think a lot of times people think, you know, there's just not much arts and culture and theater. So the newspapers, they really needed a theater voice, and, and the papers are large there. The Times paper I was with for 20 years, third largest newspaper in the Chicagoland area, second largest in the state of Indiana. Post-Tribune, which is part of the Chicago Tribune Summer Papers, also has, you know, a, a large voice and, and, and carries some weight. And we wanted people to know that, yeah, people from Indiana do come to downtown Chicago or the suburbs to see great theater. So that was kind of the assignment that, that took me there to spend so much time in a theater seat. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's it's a dream job. It sounds like such a fun one to be able to to see theater. And I like your approach. I like your philosophy because I can imagine seeing that many during your time on the Jeff Committee. That would be you would have to take so many notes just to keep it all straight. Yes, and again, I did both wings. So I did the non-equity, which mm. is more than you know, the small storefront theaters, but Chicago is so famous for our, our gritty kind of theater where it all starts, and then also the large equity theater. So. Steppenwolf and, and Goodman and all all those, Drury Lane. So you want to be fair and square also with kind of seeing, you know, the different levels and categories of it. But it introduced me to a lot of spaces that maybe I wouldn't have gotten to before. So it was it was great practice. That's one of my favorite things about Chicago is how many cool storefronts we have, especially ones that have a very specific focus to them. Yes. Uh, about a week ago, I was interviewing uh, the the uh, founder and uh, artistic director and then the managing director of the Other World Theater, mm. which is all devoted to sci-fi. And that's oh, so that. fun. And oh, they, yeah. I, you know, I saw one of their shows and, and I was speaking with her about the challenges of building a set on a budget um, for a really <laughs> small theater. And she does such beautiful things yes. so creatively. And I think it's so wonderful. And I, I mean, I love the things that Broadway in Chicago brings us, but mm -hmm. some of the little storefronts theaters just move mountains with tiny spaces with just such talented people you go in with your imagination and and they do so much more to kind of meet you halfway and when you leave if you leave talking about it and still discussing it with friends you know they have done their job yeah that's right <laughs> that's right and there's there's so much room i think here there's pretty supportive audiences yes here. they really are, yes they are and so many people just kind of a little public service message now you know announcement for all the, these these different theaters many are nonprofits. the price of that admission ticket it really only pays for just a fraction of the overall production so if they say oh there's a donation envelope to think about in the lobby or inside your playbill really think about supporting that because 
a lot of the smaller theaters, you know, the cast is there and maybe they divide up part of the, the box office at the end of the night. But most people are there because they believe in the art and the craft. Yeah, that's right. That's the thing is most people are volunteering their time. All right. I want to shift back to other things that are coming up that you uh, want us to want to put on our radar and want to make sure that we see this summer. OK, I've got I've got a checklist of four here for you. And I want to spread it out because your listenership is so great here to make sure that we cover our different areas. So we're going to first we're going to take folks out to Oak Brook. So Oak Brook First Folio Theater, and, and if you've not been there, Amy, you, you've got to make sure you do a field trip here. So out in Oak Brook, you know, of course, there's the Drury Lane, which is wonderful, but down the way, there is First Folio Theater, which is based at the old Maze Lake Peabody State, which I always think if you think of the old Batman TV show in the 1960s, they, and they say Stately Wayne Manor. This yeah. is what this looks like. So you, you, it's basic, it's, you know, a historical landmark. And in the summer, First Folio uses the outdoor space, and they have a beautiful outdoor theater. So it's the type of place where, kind of think of Ravinia, where you pack your picnic basket with some food and maybe a beverage or two if you'd like. And under the stars, you're going to see Shakespeare. And this season, what they're doing, David Rice is the artistic director, and does a fantastic job. Henry the the Fifth is what they're offering. So it's a Shakespeare piece, Shakespeare under the stars, outside. And you were talking about the, the wonderful uh, repellents and things that are out mm-hmm. there. You would think, well, you're outside, you're going to have to be worried about it. You know, you might want to bring a little bit, but for the most part, you're in a space that and there isn't too much. You might see an occasional moth that is attracted to the spotlight on stage. But for the most part, it's just it's a beautiful way to experience live theater. And that goes July the 10th. So it's just about to open and it goes until August the 18th. So you've got plenty of time for, for First Folio, Shakespeare and the Stars. And this year it's it's Henry V. Oh, that sounds so fun. I love Shakespeare in the Park. I mean, I love oh, Shakespeare yes. anything, but any yes. kind of outdoor Shakespeare is so fun. To do. In Oak Park, they do and one of their garden spaces there, too, with one of the parks. And anytime you can you can get out and see you know something there it's so wonderful i'm going to shift gears with our other friends with shakespeare your neighbor here just down the, down the way on navy pier chicago shakespeare and i don't i'm not gonna have to say too much about it because it's been talked and bantered about so much here on wgm with some of the other personalities but if you have not gone out to see their production of six which is in the huge big courtyard theater space it is just unbelievable we just mentioned henry the fifth but this is about henry the eighth's six wives and and again, two of them, I always think of them all being beheaded, but two of them were beheaded and he divorced one, one died. It's each of their stories, but done in such a way that it's so clever in 88 minutes, you will be singing, you'll be on your feet, you'll be dancing. I don't often say, gosh, I wish I had the soundtrack, but for this one, you know, I would love to have the soundtrack. And the other critical, you know, colleagues that are here in Chicago, including Chris Jones of Chicago, that he says, this one is headed for Broadway. And boy, mm. I, I couldn't agree more. That goes until it's been extended August the, the 2nd right now, but tickets are going quick. So if you haven't investigated and found a time to go see six, you will certainly want to do that and you won't be disappointed. So we've taken you to Navy Pier. We've taken you out to the to the suburbs. Now we're going to take you just a little bit farther down Michigan Avenue, the Looking Glass Theater and the old mm. pumping station. Have you ever been to see some things there? I have. All? It's so cool. And, you know, a lot of times people connected with, of course, David Swimmer from Friends. And that's kind of his ensemble group that performs there. Right now they're doing Frankenstein for another couple of weeks. And it's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but it's done in such a way that you'll forget. Get. There's a couple little fun nods just for fun to the, the the classic Universal Studios movie monster version, but this one is true to the the, liter- the literature and the true story and the telling of how it happened and and again the creation and it and it follows very closely to that story. So if you ever had to read it in maybe a college course or in your high school or in advanced literature class, you will love to see all the characters come to life. And 
all of the, the the cast is playing dual roles, so they slip in and out, but they're so clever in that space. And this is also kind of, we're saying theater in the round, but really in a theater in a square. So the action's happening all around you, and, and you will definitely be squirming in your seat and, and maybe jump a time or two from just the, the effects and what they've uh, managed to capture there. I love it. That yeah. sounds wonderful. So that, it's not Halloween yet, but it doesn't have to be, Amy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's a that seems like an odd choice for summer, but, right. but especially if it's more about the literary tale than about the monster. And it is, it is. And it's just done in such a way that's so inventive, like they do everything there a lot of acrobatics and just surprises and clever things you think how do they dream up what they do but they never disappoint there and that's looking glass theater mary shelley's frankenstein for another few weeks and until uh, you know august i want to say well it'll get you through july beginning of august mm-hmm. so okay and then finally for our friends i have to mention northwest indiana here Go right across the state line, not too far, 35 minutes away. Theater at the Center is a professional theater, equity theater. They're doing Over the Tavern, which is based autobiographically on the playwright Tom Dudzik's story of growing up Catholic in the 1950s and his relationship with a very strict, stern nun back when you think of them holding a ruler and Mm -hmm. really being the strict disciplinarian. But there's also a very warm family tale. His parents you know, live right above the family and tavern business that they own. So it's the dynamics of the family, but also, you know, growing up again in that Catholic classroom. And, and he's questioning everything, as young people do at age 13. And at one point, sister says, you know, you're about to be confirmed. And you're going to be a soldier of Christ. And he says, you know, before I do this, I know there's more than 1,300 religions in the world. I think I'd like to shop around a little bit, which, of course, <laughs> does not set well with sister. So. <laughs> So that's that's opens up on with previews on July the, the 11th. It goes all the way until August the 11th. Theater at the Center, uh, it, it, again, a fantastic tale. And, and again, there's some very heartwarming moments in there. Yeah, well, <laughs> this you've given us wonderful things to do. I so appreciate you coming by tonight. My pleasure. This is wonderful. We've got... We've got our marching orders for the summer, my friends. We should all get together and go on a field trip. It's so great. Philip Potempa, thank you so much for being with us. Entertainment columnist, Post Tribune, Chicago Tribune. Read him. Do the things he says. Go to the things he says. All those things. Thanks so much for coming in tonight. Thank you. And thank you to your listeners. Oh, certainly. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a little break. Get you to news. All that good stuff. Back in just a bit here on 720 WGN. so much for that update, Vic. 720 WGN, it's Amy Guth. Thanks for being with us tonight. So I want to share a conversation with you that I had a little bit earlier because, you know, sometimes people like to sleep at night. I get it. I get that. I talked with an author. Her name is Addie Greco Sanchez. She's based in Canada and she co-wrote a book called The Five Minute Recharge, 31 Proven Strategies to Refresh, Reset and Become the Boss of Your Day. I thought that was an irresistibly good title. And I'm endlessly fascinated about by that topic of burnout and how we're really running ourselves ragged and we kind of tell ourselves a bunch of nonsense like, well, I'll just do this one more thing. Oh, yeah, I, I got to do this. Oh, yeah. And this and then suddenly hours have gone by and you've not taking a break. We're not recharging. And she makes this great case. And she she talks about this a little bit in the conversation. I'm going to play for you here in a sec about how the minute our phone battery is low, we're all about that power cord. We got to set it down. We change our plans to go recharge that phone, but we do not exercise the same care with ourselves. And I think that's a great point. So let's listen to the conversation that I had with Addie a little bit earlier. 
We know that we're living in a time-starved environment and people really do not have a lot of time for anything because there's just so many competing priorities. So Lynn and I felt that if we wrote something that was, you know, five minutes, who doesn't have five minutes to look after themselves, then we would break it down and involve a number of stress management techniques. There are 31 in the book. Presented in the form of an exercise that doesn't take a lot of time and can make all the difference in your in a day, then why wouldn't readers want to pick it up and, and try some of them or all of them and make a difference in their lives? Which is exactly a thing I talk about so much on this program. Uh, I, I've talked many times about burnout, about life-work balance, and how delicate that is, how tricky that, that is, and how many competing narratives there are around that topic. Because I think culturally, we're sort, we sort of award busyness, and, and we, go, we kind of prize it. And, and I've often pointed to the example of when people say, oh, how are you? And it's a perfectly okay answer to go, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, crazy busy. You know, instead of like, I'm good, or, or I'm doing fine fine. I'm, I'm feeling well. It's like people would think that was weird. So it seems like uh, this is a perfectly timed book. So so t- tell us about a few of these 31 tactics you have, if you would. They're everything from looking at meditation, you know, spending a few minutes in reflective time. And again, meditation doesn't have to be sitting in a Buddha position and putting out 30 minutes at a time. It can be being reflective of an apple you're eating, savoring that moment, or thinking about how it feels when you're in the shower or hearing the sounds of the water and uh, how it feels on your skin and just taking in all of your senses. There's so much you can do with meditation, having those really strong relationships with people and reaching out to them on a regular basis, getting together face-to-face because so much of our technologically driven world is about sending a text or an email, but it's not the same as getting together and the feeling that brings to our soul and to our, our mind and help us to recharge and feel good about ourselves. So some of my favorites. <laughs> Those are very, very good ones. I, I am a big meditator myself, so I, I can't say enough in support of that one for sure. Even just a couple of minutes to kind of find your center is such a big deal. You know, when we talk about burnout, I think that it gets complicated because we think about, we use that in so many ways, like, oh, I'm feeling kind of burned out today versus when you've really kind of hit a wall and you, mm-hmm. you know, you're feeling short fused or just depressed or whatever that feeling is and however that manifests for, for different people. Uh, I think it manifests a lot of different ways. But burnout and stress are, are really serious things. And I, and I think we've tolerated them for a very long time or felt like, oh, I shouldn't be a, I, I shouldn't be complaining. I just need to do a couple more things and then I can rest. And it seems like two things are happening. One, we're always trying to get to this place just ahead, just a couple of steps ahead. And then we promise ourselves that we'll relax. We do that a lot. But then the other one is that I don't know that that we fully acknowledge the threat and the persistent threat physically and emotionally of stress and burnout in our lives. Yeah, those are really excellent points, Amy. And so you're absolutely right. We need to pay closer attention to our emotional and physical response to stress and how it impacts us both at work and in our personal lives. You know, we think about things like our phones, for example. We pay so much attention to them and our phone battery. It goes into the red zone, and what do we do? We quickly recharge our mobile phones, and when we feel that way ourselves, and we know we're running on empty and it's just slowly creeping up, we don't think about recharging. We don't plug ourselves in and say, okay, I need to back off. Instead, we say, okay, one more task. I'm just going to answer one more email, take 
care of one more task for the day. Before you know it, we've worked 8, 10, 12 hours, and we're running completely on empty. And we continue to do that, and we don't take care of things that are important, like walking, like physical exercise and sleep, which is another one of the very important factors that we spend a lot of time talking about. And then we burnt out completely. And as you say, Amy, it's quite different from saying, oh, I had a stressful day. But, you know, we can go out for dinner with our partner or a friend or even a colleague, and we can regenerate ourselves and recharge. But if we continuously go at that pace and we don't give ourselves permission to recharge and to reset our batteries, then we're as dead as that phone that doesn't get plugged in. I love that example because you're exactly right. As soon as we, I mean, we don't even get to the red. We go, ooh, I'm only at 20% battery. I got to find a charge. We will reorder our day around. I can't, I can't do that right now because I need to charge for a few minutes, which is fascinating. Imagine if we use the same language for ourselves as we use for our phone, it would be so different. It would be so, so different. And the World Health Organization has, uh, has recently started talking about this a lot more, as have a lot of mental health organizations, about how seriously we need to take this topic, which I think is a, another really important point to keep out there in the, in the public narrative. Absolutely is. And as you're probably aware, the World Health Organization looks at depression as the world's leading cause of disability and a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease. And as you know, as of about a month ago, it now also recognizes burnout as a disease. And that is huge because it never did in the past, which again tells you how it's just moved from the margins into the mainstream of our uh, attention and our conversation. And this is the reason it's getting the kind of attention that it is. But again, it's, it's one thing to know this. And many people do, and they give it lip service, but it's quite another to actually take action and to really, really look after yourself and start incorporating some of the strategies that are in the book and that many of us know. You know, this is not rocket science. Everything in our book is evidence-based. It's based on research and very well-known facts. So no one's going to say, oh, wow, that's a brand new study that just came out and it's in the five-minute recharge. It's not about that. It's already been said and done and based on research, as I said, but it's a matter of people now actually doing the work. It's what we love about the book, too, because it gives people an opportunity. It's like journaling because there's actually spaces in it, as you know, you've reviewed the book yourself, where you can write down your own responses to, hey, what are you going to do in this recharge? How are you going to act differently as a result of the information that you've now learned or, or, or have read? In 20 WGN. Hey there, it's Amy Guth. So right before the break, we were listening to a conversation that I had a little bit earlier with Addie Greco Sanchez. She is co-author of a book called The Five Minute Recharge, 31 Proven Strategies to Refresh, Reset, and Become the Boss of Your Day. It's all great science-backed stuff in there. It's a wonderful book. I read it really quickly when it was sent to me, and I really enjoyed reading, and I thought it was lots of good reminders. There's a lot of things we've heard before, a lot, a lot of new stuff too, but it was all 
like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. And when it's five minutes, you can't argue with it. You're like, okay, everybody's got five minutes. So really good stuff for us to just kind of reel it in a little bit because everybody's so stressed these days. We got to find our center. So let's listen to part two of that conversation that I had with the book's co-author. So what inspired you to take this book on with your co-author initially? It's a good question. So Lynn and I, we go back a long time. We've been friends for over 20 years. We actually started by volunteering and we didn't know each other at the time at a, a shelter for domestic violence in our community. And in the name of the place is Interim Place. It's a fabulous place. We've learned so much from our experience. And so we thought, you know what, we were all about helping people, obviously, because, you know, the sense of community and being driven to volunteering is about that. And we've spent a lot of time talking about mental health. And both of us have had panic attacks in the past. Not at the same time, of course, but uh, <laughs> even though we are soul sisters and we do and believe in a lot of the same philosophy and whatnot, but we are all about giving back and helping as many people as we possibly can. And that's really what the drive is here. We want people to learn from our experience and hopefully come to the realization that you know we're we're heading for a, an epidemic here we I, I really believe that we're already in it and we don't want to wait for people to have panic attacks and to completely break down before they can pick themselves up again because it's a long road and we think that taking the five minutes learning after how to look after self can really help to keep these things at bay and those diseases that can be so dreadful for people's careers and for their families as well. Truly. And I think it's so interesting how different countries have addressed this around the world in different ways. I know in France, there's been a lot of, and this is this is seemingly a small thing, but I don't think it actually is in practice. I can only imagine. And that is legally not being able to email your, your colleagues after business hours and on weekends, which I think is so yeah. interesting because there's this... Not? Yeah. I, I mean, I, right? I can't imagine, especially here in the news business, I can't imagine that. But, you know, being no. the ability to say, hey, this is not the time to do this. This is my personal time and no one to scoff at that. I think we got a ways to go on that for sure. I totally agree with you. And as you know, I'm in Canada and I think North America wide, we suffer from that realism, unfortunately. And I, I have to agree, France is head and shoulders above the others and in terms of thinking that way and to have actual policy that speaks to that is pretty incredible. I know that there are some companies here that do scoff at, you know, well, we don't want to encourage um, an environment where employees are responding to emails after work. We've become such a 24-7 environment and there is an expectation that you're available and that you do respond. And there are, unfortunately, leaders that very much believe in that philosophy. And we don't. At my own company, where I'm a leader, I don't encourage that at all. And, and I'm to the point where I will even save emails to be delivered the next day because if I have to work at night just because it's the only way that I've chosen to structure my day, I don't want people to have the impression that that's an expectation that I have of them as well. I'm a business owner, so I can decide that if I want to work that way, but I, it doesn't mean that everyone else should follow that lead. Which brings up a really important point, and that is in this time of burnout, in this time where, I, and I agree with you, I do think we are reaching an epidemic, if not already in it. And I do think it's so important for leaders to model that behavior because you could say, oh, everybody gets three weeks of vacation. You can say that all you want. But if the leader, the boss is not taking that vacation, it's hard to do it because the culture isn't set to, to do that. 
Yeah, I, I recently went on a, on a vacation for two weeks, and I was overseas, and I thought, this is going to be different, a different time zone. And, you know, I make myself available because I want for people to know that I'm here if you need me. But, you know, the flip side of that is not very nice because it makes people feel like, well, if the boss is available, then I should also be when I'm on vacation. So I, I literally turned it off, and I said in my email, auto response, that I'm away, and I will not be checking this email while I'm away. If you need an immediate response, this these are two options for you to connect with. But please know that I am recharging during, during this period and will not be available for response. And I've had people come back to me and say, I love that you do that because I think it's teaching people that it's okay to turn it off and for people to know right away they should not expect you to respond. That's so good. I love that. I want to see more of those responses because some of them are, if it's an emergency, call me at this place or do that. Like, <laughs> I, I did have a friend though once who said, if it's an emergency, call me at so-and-so place. However, please take a minute and check your, your definition of emergency before you do, which I thought was very clever. But uh, but getting back to the book, I'm, I'm, I think this is uh, such a great tool because it, it sort of robs, of, robs us of excuses. We can't say, oh, I, I don't have time to go to yoga or today or whatever. Everybody's got five minutes, no matter how many jobs you have or kids or whatever you have going on. Um, there's a tactic in there that was really interesting around uh, around tense situations that was Navy SEAL approved. You know, I mean, if, if anyone knows how to calm down and stress, I'm going to say that would be Navy SEALs. So tell us about that one, if you would, because I think that one is very useful and really interesting. Yeah. So it's about breathing like a Navy SEAL. And you're absolutely right. If it's good enough for the Navy SEALs, then, you know, we should all try to practice. So our bodies have a natural relaxation response that enables us to think more clearly and perform better under pressure. And breathing deeply, as the SEALs are trained to do, triggers that. So this is about deep breathing. Most of us are extremely shallow breathers, right? It's all up here in the chest. We don't know how to inhale deeply and to exhale all the way down into your diaphragm. We just sort of keep it top of the chest breath and it doesn't allow us to really relax. And that's the, the differences. And I use this in times of stress. I use this before I go to sleep. It's usually the last thing I do when I'm lying down. I'll just do my box breathing, you know, which is, you know, you, you breathe all the way in and then hold it for four and then you breathe all the way out and then hold it for four. And then you just continue to do that in a, a box system until you feel that you're relaxed. And it really helps. It, um, it, it fires up the, the sympathetic nerve system. I mean, it helps in so many ways. Um, and there's lots of signs around that as well. So we're hoping that that's another one of those sort of new relaxation techniques that really helps people that doesn't take a lot of time and can make all the difference in changing the way you look at things. I think this book is so great. I really enjoyed reading it. And, and I think the yeah, everyone should right. check it out and, and try some of these things because they're easy, they're quick. And you know what? It won't hurt to try. We've all got to calm down a little bit. We've all got to take a breath. Truly. And to find a center during the middle of the day, the thing I think it's maybe hard to convince people of sometimes, and I'm sure you know this better than anyone, and that is how much it ripples out into the rest of your life just to take minutes to recharge, even mini recharges. So I've thought this kind of deep down, but hadn't really put it to words. So when I saw this book, I thought these are things I have thought for a while. So it was very cool to see it all. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Great. 
I really appreciate you joining us. I, I appreciate talking with you. The book is called The 5-Minute Recharge, 31 Proven Strategies to Refresh, Reset, and Become the Boss of Your Day. Who can resist a title like that? That is by Lynn Everett and Addie Greco-Sanchez. Addie, thanks so much for being with us. Again, that was a conversation that I had with her a little bit earlier, and I really enjoyed that conversation because I, I think it's I think it's kind of uh, that the book and the conversation both very validating, right? We know, yeah, I, I wish I had a little time to chill and to to take a break and all that kind of stuff. But I think too, what's important is that you have to just kind of be real about if you're an introvert or an extrovert, and I think that gets mixed up. And people think introvert means shy; it doesn't. That means where you get your energy from. Do you get your energy from being social? Some people do. That means you're probably an extrovert. If you get your energy from taking me time or having quiet time with just a friend or family member or your partner or whatever, probably an introvert. I am that. I um, People always go, you don't seem like an introvert. You can't just tell who's an introvert. I am. I like to socialize with people. I'm very curious about people. I'm fascinated by people. But then after I'm a little bit social, I got to scurry home. I need some decompression time. How are you, Ro? Are you an introvert or extrovert? I waited till you took, took a sip of water to ask you a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm a little bit of both. It all yeah. depends on the season. Oh, oh, you know what? I think you, you did tell me this. You, you started to tell me this the other night. Yeah, it changed throughout the season. So during the winter time, I am an introvert. I like to be alone. I like to take the time to plan and to meditate. And That's to, cool. Yeah. But in the summer... I'm an extrovert. You're all out in the world. Yes, I like to be social. I you like know what? to enjoy the other people's energy. I, I read something that I thought was really beautiful and that a friend of mine, you know, was kind of beating herself up for not going to the gym as often in the winter. And she said, I just don't have as much energy. I just don't. It's so hard to get through the day. I just don't have the mental energy to go to the gym. And then she had this mindset shift that I thought was so beautiful. And she's like, you know what? flowers and bears and all kind of things in nature know when they need to hibernate and rest and regenerate and plan and build for the warmer times absolutely and once she made that shift she let herself off the hook and it was winter became so much more peaceful for her after that because it wasn't she didn't spend the whole winter just beating herself up for not going to work out she was like i'm in my hibernation time yep and i will get it back and I will be good. And then in the summer, she's always killing it. You can't even catch her in the summer because she's off. Because she's always, see, that's the way you do it. If you split it up into different seasons, you figure out you, well, I will say for, for some people, you figure out that you become a little bit more uh, productive. Oh, I definitely if you, do. If you just plan throughout the seasons. Oh, I always do this. Every, um, like every winter, I start going, oh, man, I just, what's wrong with me? I don't, uh, and then I, I'm like, oh, yeah, you do this every winter. You run out of energy by February. You need summer to warm your bones for the whole year. So this year was really difficult because I feel like it didn't get to be summer till kind of just now. Yeah. And I was really, I mean, I tweeted this. I said, I just had this really sad feeling thinking, what if summer never arrives? And I was kind of kidding when I said it, but I really did for a second have this feeling like, what would it be like if we didn't have a summer for one year? I don't think I could do it. I'd have to, you know, find a cheap ticket to Florida or something for a couple of weeks because yeah, I would just, there. I would, I need it for like, I emotionally and mentally need the warm weather for a prolonged period of time to get through the rest of the time. It's the rent we pay for living in this beautiful city. The weather is going to suck all winter. I've accepted that. 
And I'm like, you know what? It's worth it because this is a beautiful city. It is a world-class city. I've had the fortune of seeing many cities around the world. This is still one of the most beautiful in the world, and I love it so much. But, oh my gosh, is it terrible in the winter. And I'm not wired for cold, so I'm always, like, I've got the park out by October. Yeah, I think we're we're, we're extreme on each end. We, we'll get, like, 100 degrees in the summertime, and then we'll get negative 20 degrees in the wintertime. I can so. take the 100. I can't. I don't think I'm okay on either ends. I will run around in a tank top, walking outside like I'm living my best life today, people. Hello. But as soon as it warms up, I'm like, and I'm back, and I'm good. It's all good. <laughs> I can do the things. I mean, I reorganized my books the other day. I was like, there's too many books laying around. I'm gonna do this and put all the food-based books in the kitchen and like this and beautiful on top of the cabinets. And I made this, this whole thing. organizing queen. Yeah, and I made it look good. And I was like, oh, look how good the house is. Blah blah blah. And I get really. Uh, on top of things way more and I'm way more productive when it's warm and then as soon as it gets cold I'm like oh fall is cozy and boom I run out of energy oh speaking of running out we're running out of time that we are oh my gosh look at that time flies when you're having fun Ro Coleman that's the thing well thank you always a pleasure to work with you Ro you're the best thank you all right well we're gonna take a really tiny break because it is the night of really tiny breaks and then we're gonna uh, go to news with our friend Vic Vaughn and then we're going to turn things over to Nick DeGilio because he's got an awesome show as I know that because he always does I don't even have I don't even know what he's got coming up but it's going to be great so back in just a bit here on 720 WGN Chicago stories told 24 7 720 WGN I mean literally that was a five second commercial break (laughs) I mean I didn't Gotta even, keep you on your toes. I didn't even get a chance to take my finger off the microphone button. <laughs> that was so fast. What What's happening? That's the fastest break I've ever... A five-second commercial break. Well, that's okay. I will take a five-second commercial break over a zero-second commercial Agreed. break. Agreed. That is for sure, because we appreciate all of our advertisers, because they keep us paid. That's what I like. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure working with you, Ro, and thank you to Vic Vaughn.